Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination and with generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and to learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Ladies and gentlemen, from the borough of Queens, in the city of New York, this is the Epic Piecast with your hosts, Nelson Lugo and Schaefer the Dark Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from the beautiful and spacious Studio 6C in Astoria, Queens, this is the Epic Piecast, episode 46. I am your host, Nelson Lugo. And I am your other host, Schaefer the Dark Lord. Hooray! And we are back for another 90 or so minutes of shenanigans and uh, banter. We're always back. You always announce that we're back. <laughs> like well, we're, like it, we're a rapper who hasn't put out a record in a year. Well, I mean, you know, there there is time between uh, episodes. Well, yes, we definitely return to these microphones. <laughs> so, yes, in in effect, we are back. Yeah, yeah. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Keep going. Oh shit! Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. That's all right. Uh, okay. This this isn't going to be an LL Cool J lyrics trivia episode. It could be. It. Could be heels tall, bikini small. She says she likes the ocean. Chugger, 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 chugger. Never mind. You've uh, moved on to the lightning round. <laughs> I fucking love me some LL Cool J. Yeah, he's great. Anyway, so hello, dear listener. Welcome back. Uh, we are here to talk about all kinds of things, and by all kinds of things, I mean Batman. You know, as two <laughs> lifelong Batman devotees, and and not just for our entire lives, but yeah. for I feel for 46 episodes of this program, we probably <laughs> mentioned Batman at least 45 times. Yes, at least every episode yes. we've made a mention to it. Yes. To Batman. We may not have. Yeah, I think Batman I, I, gets as many mentions as C. Muldrow. Um, Batman has gotten more. Probably. Batman has gotten we've more mentions. Maybe forgotten C. Muldrow a couple of months. Yeah. The monthly shout out. Which is, which is really on us because she's unforgettable. Yeah. Sorry about that, C. Muldrow. If I say C. Muldrow a couple more times, perhaps I'll make up for the last couple months in which we did not send a shout out to C. Muldrow. C. Muldrow. But Batman yes. is a, a big guy in our lives. A, 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 a huge influence, a, a, a cornerstone, a touchstone, a, a, a seminal uh, piece of fiction uh, in our otherwise dreary and gray lives. We're, here, let me pose you this. This is kind of a... Oh, a, 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 
crazy hypothetical question. Okay, sure. Were there no Batman? Let's yeah. say Batman had never been created. Okay. Bob Kane had never ripped off a co-creator and <laughs> created Batman. Right. This is a very sad world you're describing, but Right. Let's, yeah. So a world in which Batman never existed. Oof. Would would we have a friendship? Uh, I know we made we met one another not under Batman related circumstances but I feel like after a bit of chatting and, and pleasantries at some point we went Batman 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 <laughs> and then at that we were basically married as far as friends go <laughs> and I, ever I mean, since Batman has been a big part well I mean I don't know I mean we still have Star Wars it's right? not the same it's not it's definitely not the same but it is still there um, we still have uh, uh, Ghostbusters. Um, we met. Oh. Uh, we met under the umbrella of the New York City burlesque community, so there was that at least. Right. right? Okay. And of All course, right. there was our uh, sort of spiral, debilitating marriages that uh, crumbled beneath our feet. Okay. We did not forge our friendship solely uh, based on our shared affinity for a pop culture property. No, that's no. correct. We yes. would have found yes. something else that we yeah. would have geeked out over. But absolutely. I just, all right. It was it a is, stupid hypothetical, well, and I've no, already I mean, wasted minutes of this program discussing it. Well, the thing is, I mean, you're also not wrong. I mean, I don't know what else we would have talked about as much or in depth. Any of those other things, Ghostbusters <laughs> or Star Wars or our spiraling <laughs> failed marriages that imploded upon themselves at about the same time shortly after we became friends. How have we never made that association before? I don't know. Um, well, I mean, dear listener, this is going to be a very Batman-heavy uh, podcast. There's been a lot of new consumable uh, things regarding Batman and the Batman universe. So uh, if you don't like Batman, then this episode's going to suck for you. You know, I kind of, I feel like I started this year, yeah. 2016. I yeah. always look forward to blockbuster movie season, sure. summer, yeah, and some of the ones that come later in the year. Last year, of course, I spent every second of the entire year just killing time until Force Awakens <laughs> came out. Right. Um, and this year, I feel like at the beginning of the year, I thought to myself, oh man, this isn't going to be a big movie, a big year for movies right. because they, because there isn't going to be force awakened so sure you know, right there's no star wars there's yeah. going to be stuff i'll see but nothing that i'm really excited about and this is i was being foolish and not thinking to myself that in the same calendar year and yeah. i know that i've already talked about this on social media so sure. if somebody wants to call me out for quoting my own shit i i'm with you well you can tell but, me because i don't read your stuff oh great but in this single calendar year uh-huh. we have had we will get movies in the theater yeah on the big screen sure that features spider-man Ooh, yeah the joker yeah uh, Ghostbusters, uh-huh. Darth fucking Vader, yeah. and Batman twice. Twice. So this is a, a big year for the a things that we love. A huge year but I for, feel like for pop just, culture devotees, yes. Well, it always is. But That's for me specifically, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, yeah, care yeah. if they do a big summer Star Trek or Doctor Who movie. I don't, I, I just, oh, I don't care. Man, that, I, that, because, that hurts my heart. But for me specifically, there are all these things. And... I've realized that I've spent the whole year kind of being apathetic about these things and have watched them all <laughs> with some excitement. I mean, yeah, I can't talk yeah. about Darth Vader yet because that doesn't come out until December. But the new trailer right. for Rogue One came out and there is one second Darth Vader's helmet and him breathing and I cried. Aww. So, <laughs> But yeah. for Batman enthusiasts, sure. we get Batman on the big screen twice this year yeah we get a big batman release on the small screen Mm -hmm. we get a major batman event in comic books yep this is a great year for a couple of old batman fans (laughs) yes it is it's 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 really i mean 
it's almost to the point where even I am getting like, okay, DC, let's just let's just let's just relax a bit. Can I just take, catch my breath before you give me the next big Batman thing? But they're not slowing down. They're, no, they they're, just they're flooding the market with my favorite hero, throwing Batman <laughs> at you by the fistful. Yes, they are like 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 testing you know cooked spaghetti. They're just flinging it at the wall and seeing what and seeing what sticks. And as a result of all of this, I feel like I feel like Nelson. We got to we got to talk about our friend. Yeah, our friend Batman. Yeah, we got to talk about about I know Batman. he's great. I know I he's love, done a lot of great things. I love I love me some Batman. And I and and before we even get into any of this, I I want to I just want to re- and this is no secret to anybody listening. I am not a Fairweather fan. No. I will watch that shit no matter what, no matter where. It could be animated on toilet paper uh using nothing but a yellow highlighter and I will still watch it. Yes. And if anything is proof of that, it's the past month. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like we got to talk about our friend Batman. Yeah. And how he's kind of letting us down. Well, I mean, DC is really just kind of frantically grasping at straws here, trying to catch up with the, with the Marvel Universe, right. uh, cinematic universe. And the old, the, the old white guy executives at Warner Brothers just... They don't really know how to do it. No, they. it kind of feels like an old guy sees all this success yeah. across the pond yeah. or the fence or sure. whatever metaphorical Metaphor- separation <laughs> of property. Right. And they see Tony Stark and Thor yeah. just fucking Killing high-fiving fucking, and yeah. to a, a thunderous applause of accolades. Yeah. And they're like, we have to do that. But now they're like this old guy who's like got an earring and is riding a skateboard. And they're like, look, us too. And they're like, no, 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 no. First of all, you're doing, you're, you're, you're combining too many details too fast. Yeah. You don't need a skateboard and an earring for your midlife crisis. No, you don't. Just maybe, pick one. Maybe pick just one. one of them and pick a really cool one. Yeah. Pick like the, a really pick cool the, earring or really learn how to earring. ride that skateboard. Yes. Because like, instead, they are just vomiting everything uh, they have into a bucket. Yeah. Stuffing it into two movies. And trying to convince us that this is the dawn yeah. of a cinematic universe that we care strongly about. And the truth of the matter is, is that I don't. You can go back and see how strongly we felt about Batman v Superman. So I guess I guess let's just get right into it. I mean, we saw we saw Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was released the second movie yeah. in DC's attempt to build a cinematic universe. Yes. Now, this is a DC universe movie because the Suicide Squad or Task Force X sure. is comprised of a number of villains from the DC universe. Yeah. But let's face it, they're mostly Batman villains. For the most part, yes. You could say yes. that this is a this is a DC universe movie. Uh Enchantress I think is more I think a Wonder Woman uh Don't villain. care. This uh, is a this is a Batman universe movie. I yes. don't care what I don't care how much you try to tell me. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, I'm not. I'm not trying. Boomerang to is a Flash villain. You can even throw the Flash in the movie for a second. It's it's still. A I'm Batman not. I, I am. I am not. I am not even going to attempt to curtail you. I I emphatically agree because you've got Killer Croc. You've got yeah. Harley Quinn. You've got Deadshot. Yeah. Amanda Waller. You have Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. You no. have a yeah. couple appearances of Batman. Yeah. The Joker. Yeah. This yes. is if if the DC universe uh-huh. is a mall, yeah. Then you bought Suicide Squad at the Batman store. <laughs> yes, at the at the Hot Topic inspired Batman store, which yes. is one of the flagship stores of the DC mall. Yes, that's it is. fine. It's yes, not it just is. it's not like a, a uh, it's not like the Booster Gold kiosk. I guess I guess before we get, I mean, I, I don't want to get into it too much because I think 
a lot of reviews have already and a, and a lot of thought pieces have already been said about it. And I and I, I, I think I think a lot of them, I, not a lot of them, but I think some of them are unfair. And I think um, and I think some of them really hit the nail on the head. Um, but I, before we even get into this, I want to say this: I don't hate this film at all. Um, it, it definitely fills my criteria for summertime popcorn entertainment. Uh, having said that, I, I left the theater disappointed um, because I saw hints of what it could be, and I don't. And they they pulled their punches. Um, I don't. I don't know why, but it there there were there were parts of it I really really liked, and. There were parts of it I thought were just stupid choices and not even on the part of like the actors or the script per se, but just like the direction of it just seemed inconsistent uh, at best. And that's probably the kind that's probably the kindest thing I can say about Suicide Squad is that as a film, it is inconsistent. Fair enough. Yeah, it is. It is inconsistent. Yeah. I would also say that I did not hate it. Right. No, you I mean, didn't actually. I, like, I, I, I had to sit with it for a while, for a while, and I came to that conclusion. You actually, right after left, watching it, yeah, when we left the theater, yeah, you were, you had a much more negative attitude about it than you do right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I was, st- I was trying to figure out how I felt about it because right. it was you needed because, some time. because it just, I was confused. Like, the, you know, there were moments I liked and moments I didn't like, and I wasn't quite sure how to process that. But you were pretty confident. At the end of the film, that you liked it, like you generally. Well, no, I, th- those are not my words. My <laughs> words were, "I didn't hate it." Okay, the, yeah, that's different. That's I think is different. what I said. Yeah, in with a bunch of swears in it when we walked out of Batman v Superman. There's no, <laughs> there's no question about that, and I feel like I deserve. I, or I, I owe that movie another viewing. Batman v Superman. Yeah, because I walked out of it already deciding that I hated it yeah. pieces every frame of it yeah. but as I've thought about it there's there's some scenes I wanted to see again specifically the Batman scenes sure but mostly I hated that movie when yeah. I walked out you did. you did Suicide Squad I did not hate it when I walked out but much like you I've had some time to think on yeah. it and meditate on it sleep on it and I'm realizing that like I it's not even I feel like in, a, in some movies mm-hmm. I can say there were elements I liked I liked this character yeah. I liked this particular subplot sure I liked like this scene this, or this this use of this character right. blah 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 um and and in in this one it's more linear like i think i could say yeah. i really liked the first 30 minutes of this movie <laughs> all the introductions i liked that i liked the yeah, way so they, did i so did i i liked all, all the introductions you, know, you get fatigue of watching uh origin stories <laughs> yes. and you don't want to see them and they just started they just shoved all of the characters into a machine gun and yeah. spraying you in the face with them. <laughs> yes. And it was, I liked that a lot. Actually. It was exciting and fun and, and it was colorful and it looked kind of like a comic book. And uh, I got, I got to say Will Smith kills it. Yeah. Uh, he does a fantastic job. All right. I liked movie. Will Smith throughout. I, I liked, I liked Will Smith throughout. He's definitely the heart. He's the, he's the person you're supposed to be sort of experiencing the film through. I've obviously. always loved Will Smith. I have, yeah. I have never, I have never spoken ill of Will Smith. No. When I, I was a kid, he is still one of my biggest influences as a rapper. Oh, there you go. Yeah, all of those, all the storytelling stuff. Yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. With, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Sure. I, that stuff really... That still it, resonates with you. It's I can When I listen to old DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince songs, I hear little cadences and, and pairings of words that I still use. Nice. And I'm like, oh shit, that's where I picked it up. I thought I was gangster. Nice. Um, and I've always liked him as an actor. I've, I've yeah. loved his summer blockbusters. I've loved yeah. his charm. I've never They're... thought he was one to be mocked or, or made fun of. I've always no. enjoyed him. No. And his prestige shit like Ali. I like yeah. him that. I think he's good. There, there are very few films of Will Smith that I can point to that I can genuinely say I didn't like. And I thought using him 
as one of the main characters of an ensemble cast was yeah. an awesome decision both on the part of the filmmakers and on the part of Will Smith. Yeah. Like that he was like, you know what? Sure, I'll be one of the moving parts of this and not like Well, I mean, but also, I mean, again, he is the heart of the film. Like he's he's the one who makes the biggest Yeah. Transformation, like it, it's it's you know it's through his eyes that we are sort of meeting all of these people and experiencing all of these things. Because ultimately, I guess he's like the de facto leader of Task Force yeah. X. He you know? also is. He made me give a shit about one of my least favorite Batman villains of all time, Deadshot. I have never liked Deadshot. Really, I've always been like, oh, he's got guns, but he's like he's really good at guns. <laughs> He can really shoot. <laughs> well, to be to be fair, in the comic book, he's always been a bit of a two dimensional villain. Like he 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 he's never really had much depth. I didn't like him when he showed up in Arkham games either. Yeah. I've just been like, yeah. I don't care. You 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 wear a mask, but you're still you're just like a sharpshooter. Yeah. But yeah, the movie yeah. made me give a shit about yeah. that sharpshooting because they had sequences where I went finally oh. went like, that is kind of a superhuman skill. It is. And also, is. he brought a lot of heart and humanity. Well, he he, he brought his talent to the table. Yeah. Um. I, I genuinely liked all of the Harley Quinn stuff. I, I keep forgetting that actress's name. Um, Margot Robbie. That, I thought Margot Robbie was pretty fucking fantastic and consistent throughout, and I really enjoyed it. Now, now that's a part of you that's changed, because when we were walking to yeah. the train from the theater, yeah. you were really upset about her characterization of Harley. No, I wasn't. You, you thought it was hokey, that's, and it was... No. Oh, maybe that was me. That was you. Oh. I, I think I think <laughs> I think the criticism that I laid on the performance was that it seemed at least first blush to be two dimensional. I thought and and thinking about it like, no, there's more going on there than I gave it credit for. Yeah, I thought that she at the beginning of the movie when she was being introduced, I yeah. was just on board. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. punching her spot on the ballot. I was like, you're amazing. <laughs> this is what I want to see. And I've never been a huge fan of. of no, Harley. no, you haven't. You've actually been sort of uh, you. You did a 360 and were outspoken for a little while. there. Yeah, but I, I thought she was doing something great with it. However, at about halfway through the movie, when fucking every element of this film falls apart, <laughs> so does Margot Robbie's performance as as Harley, or oh. at least the way she's written. And it I becomes more. She has this. She's kind of like aping the like old Brooklyn Bugs Bunny Harley Quinn voice uh-huh. throughout the movie because she's Australian. Sure, 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 sure. But it doesn't become irritating or grating or seem insincere until halfway through where it's, the the accent gets oh, really, really thick and there's so many, so many puddings thrown in there that like, I enjoyed the first part where I was like, like I like it when movies represent comic book characters or characters that have appeared in video games, comic books, cartoons yeah, yeah. because actors get an opportunity to do something new with them and yeah. give them their own take. Yeah. And I felt like halfway through the movie she let go of the the kind of nuance that she was giving it and started doing like an impression of, uh, of the Harley Quinns that have come before. Um, at least voice-wise. I see, but maybe I see, your, I see your point. Yeah. I disagree, but I, 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 I do see your point. The accent got thicker and the, the voice got squeakier and it was it was more like she had to, they gave her too many punchlines. Like mm. it was always somebody said something and yeah, then yeah, yeah. hardly came in with a quip, Mister J. But I guess I, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the fair weather fan in me uh, peeking out. But I, it, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. Overall, it didn't. It wasn't enough to like. Yeah. I, I still walked away from it liking her. I was disappointed in the film in how much they let the camera linger on her butt. <laughs> yeah. Like there were, there were granted, way too many gratuitous. Harley's button. Harley's outfit is really sexy. It and is. It seeing, is. Seeing, and, and the actress wearing it, it looks amazing in it. Seeing Harley's butt 
in, in her little booty shorts yeah. is great. Margot and is a very attractive. The woman. first time it happened, I went, oh my. You know, right? And then, and then after, pearls. then after like the twenty fourth time, you're like, okay. Then it becomes like you're playing a, a Hideo Kojima game where it's like <laughs> the camera every time she's in a scene, it has to go to her butt. Just keep, did you see it? Did you see her butt? Did you see her butt? Did you see her butt? Look at her butt. Look at her butt. Look at it. <laughs> and it that became distracting to me that they kept doing that. Also, maybe that happened because half of the film mm-hmm. is just shots of these people walking somewhere to do a thing. Here's a crowd. Here's a here's a yeah. like a shot of them yeah. walking as a group That's true. to a helicopter. Now That's to true. their first fight. Yeah. Now to their their rendezvous. I'll give and you that. Now to I'll their give boss you that fight. One. So eventually the camera is going to spin around them, but it just always kind of. Well, I mean, I kept. Off, I mean, the only other analog I have for this film is the Dirty Dozen, which is a film that I fucking love. Clearly, what they based this on, yeah. or at least they it was inspired by. It. Right, and I fucking love the Dirty Dozen. I, I, was the Dirty Dozen ever remade? I don't know. Probably. I seem to remember it being. Re- I I love the original sort of one with Telly Savalas, and it's it's one of my favorite films, uh, at least wartime films, anyway. And so that's the only other thing I have to compare it to. So I kept thinking back on the Dirty Dozen, and it's such and it's such an apt analog because it 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 scans not exactly obviously, but it's it scans in in a way that felt familiar to me, in a way that I could latch onto the film. And be grounded in the ridiculousness. Like, it, sure. I mean, it fucking goes to crazy town pretty fucking quick. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't want to say too much more about it because I think I want to see it again before I really kind of cheer or rail against it. Yeah. But I do. I I I like it. I like. I, I don't like, love it. I don't love it, and then and I think that's and I think that's my problem is that I really wanted to love it. I wanted to love the fuck out of it. There's so many excellent moving parts oh, in it. So many. Good. Diab- Diablo is a great character. Diablo is a fucking fantastic character. Uh, his his arc is fucking beautiful and grounded and real, and his his uh his reveal his twist at the end came out of fucking nowhere and i and it shocked the fuck out of me which is rare to do for me in a comic book movie uh, uh enchantress was uh, an amazing for half yes, of the movie absolutely uh, boomerang had some great like comic boomerang had some great lines. i love i love that it's an ensemble cast because i love on i think i i i long for like a really solid ensemble piece and yeah. those are difficult to make yeah it is it uh, really is uh, particularly if you're when you're when you're casting like really top notch a list talent, you know where where yeah. a lot of people have to share like top billing and things. Especially like when that. you're trying to like yeah, you give them all their own thing. I mean the the I don't have a better comparison, but the Steven Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven movies, yeah, like especially the first one, yeah, is an excellent version of that. I like, fucking love yeah, Ocean Eleven. It's, it's great. And twelve um, but and thirteen, and I, I just like that it's a movie like that instead of making it, it just being a Harley movie or yeah. a Deadshot movie yeah. or killer croc movie right. or whatever and, and amanda waller in here is amanda waller perfect is amanda waller pitch perfect perfect they, she should cameo she, in every movie like nick fury like, every yeah every <clears throat> she the I, what is her name the actress's name i don't viola davis holy shit i did not recognize her that's so weird she's amazing amazing yeah. she fucking nails that character and you both love her and hate her because you both despise what she's doing but you understand why she's doing it and it makes perfect fucking sense. However, halfway through the movie, nothing makes no. sense anymore. No. And it becomes it a, goes, it goes a to crazy mess town. with, and I feel like I'm just going to be repeating shit that I've read in reviews, but like there's a bad guy <laughs> that you don't really like 
Yeah. Believe. There's there, there's motivation that yeah, isn't really yeah. properly sold to us, and and then there's all of these all of this stuff that's shoehorned in that isn't necessary. Like the couple of little brief shots. Spoiler alert: Batman's in it. The yeah. couple of short short yeah. like flashback scenes with Batman in it. Those work excellently. Yeah, those are establish it. Those are great to remind us that we're in Batman's world. Yes, uh, those are great, and, and, and it also makes sense from Deadshot's storyline. Sure, you know, but another way you need the context. Yes, and that's great. Yeah, and, but then you, but then you add in like characters like, I mean, I guess you had to have Slipknot in there just so somebody could, spoiler alert, die. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't make it past. But, but like, wedging frame. shit in there, and then really wedging the Joker into the story. The Joker, like, I, who didn't see I that? Who didn't go to this movie thinking Joker was going to be the bad guy? I was thought, gonna be like I the honestly, big baddie of the film. I honestly thought the Joker was gonna be the big baddie. I honestly thought the Suicide Squad was going up against Joker. So did I. And I feel I like a lot of that. a lot of people posted online that he was barely in it, and you know, that was that was part of a, a critique. He's in it more than barely, I thought he was going to be. Barely my ass. It's, you know, and, and I never thought I would ever say this ever out loud, but there's too much Joker in this film. Yeah, they we didn't you I know. never I never thought I would say that, but there's way too much Joker in this film. Um you needed him to establish Harley's origin, which was great. Yeah. Um, you needed him to, uh, do something in the, I, I don't want to spoil it, but he basically does something in the middle that doesn't necessarily move the plot along, but it moves Harley's subplot along. Um, and then, and then, and then at the end, which is a, a twist at the end of the film, um, and that's it. That's all you really needed. There was too much Joker. There was too much fucking Joker in this film. And I, uh. You know, I I love the Joker. I always have. I feel like I've I've started to over the years. I've always loved Batman. I've always loved Darth Vader. Sure. These things have always sure. been constants. I've always loved the Joker. And sure. I feel like over the past few years, I'm starting to outgrow the Joker. I think I've grown, <gasps> I've kind of grown kind of tired of it and seeing different versions of it. And this Joker, I did not like. So you so you you're you're having Joker fatigue. Yeah, I'm having Joker. But fatigue. you're not having Batman fatigue. No, maybe if it's done right. There's been like three times as many Batmans as there've been Jokers. True, but maybe it's I'm strangely have more confidence in the act. I think Ben Affleck is doing a great job as Batman. I think Ben Affleck is a fantastic choice as Batman. But uh, I I did not like the you know I was Jared just Lito. saying that I like how actors give their own spin to some of these established characters, sure. and I didn't like Jared Leto's take on it. He felt huh. he felt like he was trying too hard without convincing me where I felt like let's compare him to say like Heath Ledger I feel like Heath Ledger didn't do a whole lot and made that character yeah. made him menacing and believable and frightening whereas Jared Leto the whole time he might as well have been saying yeah. oh you're scared of me <laughs> and I wasn't he's, he's chewing the scenery pretty fucking yeah, hard yeah I didn't, I didn't like him um, actually the only thing I actually like Jared Leto's interpretation of the Joker. The only thing I didn't like was um, the fact that he had like uh, what silver grills or chrome grills on his teeth. I like that element. I I, I like the tattoos too. I love the tattoos. Um, I love I love his wardrobe. I even love the way he delivers his lines. The only thing I didn't like is the chrome grills on his teeth, and not because of the aesthetic, but because I think because he had so much shit in his mouth, and he was doing an affected voice slash character yeah it sounded to me like he was mumbling half the time yeah and that's and i and i i think as an actor as a as a technical actor i think it was a detriment to him 
uh, yeah. to, to have to have all that stuff in his mouth um, and and be able to deliver lines in this sort of really sort of over the top ridiculous dramatic way that he does yeah yeah and you know what here's here's the thing i'd like to say why do actors who play the joker not smile i mean does he doing that because heath ledger did that because heath ledger that was the first time like he never previous smiled. previous incarnations of the joker well he did but not a lot not really he was yeah. mostly just kind of like serious and creepy and yeah. like so i think jared leto saw that and was like all right i have to be serious and creepy but my own version of that and he did but he just kind of has this vacant stare with an open mouth all the time yeah because he has shit in his mouth he can't close his mouth but if he smiles it shines yeah i yeah. like that the explanation that like he probably has those because he's had his teeth smashed out a million times <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I also recognize that that's a very nitpicky, actorly thing to observe. There is one thing yeah. that um, an Easter egg that was hidden in the movie that I did not notice when we saw it because everything went so fucking fast. Yeah, way too fast. But I read about it on the internet and saw a screen cap of it. Oh. And that, you remember the little character sheets? Like when they're introducing all of the members of Task Force yeah. X at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's little sheets, these little freeze frames yeah. that have all these stats and yeah. they go super fast. They do. Um, there was a little Easter egg hidden in Harley's that I didn't even read because I was having a seizure <laughs> because it was basically like staring at a strobe light while listening to the soundtrack of Wayne's World sure. while skipping around tracks. Okay. Um, is that one of the things on her sheet said, uh, uh, suspected accomplice in the murder of Robin. I missed that entirely too. Yeah. So we know that in this DC universe, the DC universe mall yeah. that it is, we know that there was a Robin who died because yeah. that was referenced in Batman v Superman when we yeah. see a Robin costume that's been defaced with ha ha jokes on you, Batman. Right. In the, the, in the well, but this also, I mean, but I, I also did notice that on Harley's bat, there's a icon of a, of a Robin. Oh, is there? On the bat. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, which leads me to believe that that's the bat that kills Robin. Well, so... I'm excited to see how that plays out. I know they're just like setting up stuff for us to like find out about in, in future films. Yeah. Maybe maybe the entire uh, standalone Batman film directed by Ben Affleck so. is going to be hope so. a flashback. I I fucking hope so. That would be great. I would love to see a Robin die or, on or, screen. Well, and but the thing is, that, I mean, it'll be a Warner Brothers movie, so basically, it'll be a modern movie where where Batman's taking down the Joker, but would also subplot to a flashback where you know, right? We can uh, find out what right. really happened, exactly. and there'll probably be a Harley spin-off and there'll be more dreams because you know he's having dreams about an apocalyptic future i did not hate suicide squad (laughs) but i didn't love it i wanted to love it i just didn't um and speaking of other batman properties that i wanted to love and didn't yeah let's talk about the new animated feature the killing joke oh my god if you had told me 25 years ago yeah that in this year there would be an animated feature of the killing joke I would have shit my pants and then run away because I would have been so embarrassed that I just shit my pants yeah and it happened and not only did it happen yeah another DC animated feature yeah but it happened with uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill doing the voices yeah oh goody it just gets better oh my god is that Ray Wise voicing Commissioner (laughs) Gordon fucking Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks let's take a look and then we did and I saw it first, yeah. in spite of all the shitty reviews I read and all of the bad press that came out of the reveal yeah, at uh, yeah. San Diego Comic-Con. I watched it, 
and then almost demanded. I almost texted you immediately to say, yo, I just saw Killing Joke. You have to watch this. You did. And you know why? Because I didn't want to be alone in these feelings. You made me. Not because I was recommending something to my dear friend. No, no, no. You wanted to share the misery. Uh, here's a, I, I want to preface by saying this. I was not one of the people who was clamoring for a Killing Joke movie. In fact, of all of the DC story arc properties, like Killing Joke and Death in a Family uh, are probably two story arcs I, I hope never make. I, I hoped never made it to an animated story. Killing Joke is an important story in the in the history of Batman because yes. of the, you know, it was after Dark Knight Returns. Yes. It's when Batman started getting really dark. Yes. Late 80s. This it was, was 1988. This was the, Killing the, Joke the was renaissance of the Batman uh, in the in the heyday. Of well, comic renaissance with steroids, it turned into violence and and darkness everywhere. And the Killing Joke, you know, when you read it, when you're a teenager who's been reading Batman, yeah. you fucking lose your mind because yeah. you're like, this is insane. Yeah. This is so violent and so gritty and amazing. And yeah. Brian Boland's artwork is amazing, and uh, Alan Moore's writing is amazing. And yeah. it's, it's Alan great. Moore's on point with this one. It's important that it exists in the history of Batman for Batman fans. Absolutely, but it's if, a, it's a seminal work that defined Batman for that era and and today. Much like The Doors, if you listen to bands that were influenced by The Doors, they're much better than The Doors. Yes. And so all of the stuff you've read since The Killing Joke that wouldn't have existed were it not for The Killing Joke yeah. is, yeah. by and large, much better yeah. than The Killing Joke. You go back and you try to read it now, and it it kind of sucks. It's dated. It's dated. It's short. It's There's not a lot of meat on its bones. Not particularly. It has great moments. So many fantastic, wonderful moments. And as many negative things as I can say about it, I will say that it is fucking leagues better than its animated adaptation. The, yeah. Um, where do I even begin? Let's begin nitpicky. Um, as much as I love the voice talents of Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, they sound tired. Oh my God, they do, don't they? They sound exhausted and old. And they sound like they're collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Which is heartbreaking because these are the two voices that play in my head when I read comic books today. Okay. Right. Um, and the animation's fine. There's actually, I think, I think the animation style is fine um it's fine i would i would have liked it to have been a little bit prettier because yeah it's it's not as crisp as some of the stuff that's been coming out lately i wish it would have Um, looked more like brian boland's illustrations (laughs) seriously because that was like uh, some of my favorite artwork when i was a kid comics but anyway go on um but it it felt the whole thing felt muted like the color palette just felt muted and the original killing joke like those purples on Joker yeah. pop like the blue on Batman just pops off the fucking page like the yellow of Barbara's shirt just it grabs you the second you see it like you feel uncomfortable when you're wa- when you're reading it because everything everything just seems so bright in contrast to the to the crap that everything's going through yeah um so just i guess technically as a film it didn't grab me at all um and then the first this is, a, I think, a, an hour and... This is an hour and 15 minutes. Hour and 15 minutes. Maybe an hour 13. Yeah, it's, it's about an hour. It's not long. It's it about, it's doesn't a, even qualify as a feature length. No, it's, it's an hour and 13 minutes long, which is fine. It's an animated film. Um, but the first 30 minutes of the film is added on material that never happened in The Killing Joke. This is... I, never happened. Now, as, I, I'm not even... I'm not even 
criticizing it as the validity or or goodness of the story. I'm merely what I'm merely saying is they padded this story with 30 minutes of material that doesn't exist anywhere in the Killing Joke. Right. It's just Batman and and Batgirl yeah. t- taking on a low level yeah. crime goon. Goon. Yeah. And a goon. A, a, a nameless faceless unimportant goon and then revealing to us a sexual relationship between batman and Bar- batgirl which is oh, fine that's something I new that they've ca- added i All don't right, care that, it's i didn't like it but it's i i I'm literally a... don't care and but the fact of the matter yes. is that this book this beloved graphic novel <sighs> made it into an animated quote unquote feature yeah. that is an hour and 15 minutes and 30 of those minutes didn't even come from that book i think should indicate to you that this is not material that needs to be translated into an animated feature. Like, if you don't have enough yeah. story, yeah. and there's not a lot of story. Yeah, I mean, no, there really, there really isn't. What, The Killing Joke's like, what, 60 pages? It's a short yeah. story. Yeah. It's an anecdote, if anything. <laughs> right. That they couldn't even stretch that into an hour that they were like, oh, we better tag on some other nonsense that doesn't make sense, and yeah. then shift out of this into the, the, the story without so much as a warning and it's a shoehorn at best it's a shoehorn it is, at best. It is such an it's such an abrupt mood change that it kind of comes out of fuck it, him walking into the joker cell after watching 30 minutes of this pl- a romantic subplot between uh batgirl and batman bruce wayne and barbara gordon his walking into the Joker's cell comes out of fucking nowhere. Right, and they start. he starts delivering lines from the book. <laughs> this is the first time. 30 minutes in, it starts looking like scenes from the book. And the famous interrogation scene, which was a huge influence for Christopher Nolan's in, uh, interrogation scene in yeah. The Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, but he walks in, Joker's playing solitaire, his face is covered in shadow, and Batman sits down and says, uh, I've been thinking about you. Yeah. About us, how this is going here's, to end. Here's and the, I just, when I saw yeah. it, I was like, when were you fucking thinking about it? Exactly. Because for the past 30 minutes, you've been f- fucking beating up some like mid level capo yeah. and having sex with Batgirl. Yeah. And you've only been having sex with Batgirl so that we are supposed to care later when she gets hideously assaulted and paralyzed by the Joker. I would have cared about that anyway. Yeah. Because in the book, The Killing Joke, you don't see any Batgirl. No. You know it's Barbara Gordon. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. And that became canon. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't need. A, I didn't need to know that she was like a romantic interest of Batman's. So my, that I here's would give my a shit. here's my conspiracy theory about this film. They actually made the killing joke without the Barbara preamble subplot, and then they realized they didn't have enough material, and so they tacked on thirty minutes at the top of it uh, after the fact. Uh, and here's my pro- and here's the other thing. Like again. I don't have a problem that they tacked on 30 minutes because again, it's a short story. If they need to pad the story to make it a feature length, then fine. I don't care. But, and I also don't care that they had a romantic engagement either. That makes no difference to me. The problem with making, the problem with that is that it shifts the story of the killing joke to be a story about getting justice for Barbara. Yeah. Rather than what the killing joke actually is, is Batman's Bruce Wayne internal struggle with his vow to never kill versus the uselessness of keeping Joker alive because he's going to escape and he's going to kill again, which means every time he doesn't 
offer a permanent solution to the Joker, every death that happens at the Joker's hands is on Batman. Yeah. That's what the killing joke is about. That's the story. That's the internal struggle yeah. that Batman is waging with himself. And, and, and that, he says it over and over and over again. This is only going to end one way. I either kill you or you kill me. This is the only path we're on. Yeah. I don't want that. And it, and and it, works, on, it works without him being attached to yeah. Barbara Gordon romantically because even in the comic book you get the idea that like that's exactly what it is Joker is pushing him to his limit to see if Batman gonna actually kill him and does incredibly horrific things Increasingly those things incredible. those things are horrific enough without Batman doing sex to her yeah um, and you're right well the story is half that and it's half this flashback of one of the Joker's many fabled origin stories right which they they tell they they which, alternate you know they what, flip which, back and forth between like a flashback of how this poor comedian was trying to which feed I gotta his family. say which I gotta say that's probably the only part I enjoyed was the flashback oh, Joker sequence I I will agree with you I like that, that I think I think those lines were delivered they trimmed that shit way down they could have like yeah. they could have stretched that and made that most of the movie yeah. the, the thirty minutes they filled in more of Batman thinking actually thinking about you and me yeah. before he says yeah. I've been thinking about you and me and seeing more of this backstory with or just or uh, they like humanizing the Joker while making Batman more and more bloodthirsty and, yeah. and then pairing those against each other and then giving it the ending that the killing joke actually fucking had right. which the movie doesn't have no well it keeps it it, it it makes it way more nebulous than the original graphic well no the, the book was kind of ambiguous but there's codes in there yeah. that you can see and they 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 recreate it like almost shot for shot and left out the fucking codes. I wouldn't, you know what? If they didn't call it the Killing Joke, if they called it something else, I think, and just used elements of the Killing Joke, yeah, then I would have been fine with it. But yeah, the, but the problem is, is that you can't make an animated film of the graphic novel, the Killing Joke, at while simultaneously uh, diffusing what the Killing Joke is about. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, you know, and spoiler alert, at the end of the Killing Joke comic book, Batman kills the Joker. It's, you don't see it explicitly. You don't see it explicitly. In fact, it's, you probably didn't know it for years. You probably, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't learn it until a couple of years ago. I didn't, like, yeah, I didn't learn there it. There is a visual cue in the yeah. last few panels. It tells yeah. you that he died. That, that comic book was never really supposed to be canon. It was supposed to be an Elseworld, yeah. you know what I mean? Or, or something along those lines. But because it was so ambiguous it became canon because you could you could easily just say that he didn't kill the Joker. Yeah. Um, it's called The Killing Joke. It's in the <laughs> fucking title of the goddamn graphic novel. Yeah. You know, uh, again. He even tells the joke. Yeah, he tells, the, he, yeah, you tell, he, he, and he also does the song. Oh, yeah. He does the song which was just they just bad. They just it was chopped bad. The, yeah, oh god, that little musical number. That dude. musical number in, No, it didn't work. The musical number in the comic book is one of the most horrific yeah. things I have read in a long fucking time and the way they did it in the animated film turned it into a fucking Broadway musical and it was just It was too It cute. fell it fell flat. It yeah. everything every And and this is and this is and I didn't like this. I I actually hate the the animated film The Killing Joke. I hate it. I I it is not good. It is it is almost insulting to Batman fans. And is it, and and um and normally when Al, when stuff gets made that Alan Moore created, Alan Moore just kind of washes the hands of everything because he hates oh, everything. Yeah. I'm actually backing Alan Moore on this one. Yeah, 
I'm I'm in Alan Moore's camp on this one. It's fucking horrible. Congratulations, filmmakers. You made me hate your animated feature so much that you made me hate the source material. Because I also you, hated this movie. You made me agree with Alan Moore. I, Fuck you, DC. I I hated this movie so much that I like aggressively insisted you watch it so that I wouldn't be alone in my hate. Yeah, I in fact I couldn't sit, I couldn't even sit through it. It took me like two days to watch it because it's only an hour and 15 minutes no i know but i would get 15 minutes in i know and i'm like what the fuck am i watching and then i would just pause it and walk away for a second and go back to it and then like and then and then when the half and the when the 30 minute mark hits and he goes into the cell i pause it i'm like nope and i flip the table because <laughs> it was just oh. Yeah, even even Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy couldn't. Even Mark Hamill saying like, "Here's to crime." That no. wasn't enough for me. No, no, I, no. I didn't care. Fuck this those movie. guys are so tired and so bored with the characters that they can't be bothered to put in an effort. Yeah, they did a good job in the last video game. Yeah, because they cared. Oh, it was exciting. It was a good story. It was it was a new thing. They're probably getting paid a shit ton of money too. Yeah. That's video game money. You anyway, know? don't see it. No, don't bother. Don't bother. Don't even like if, if you have a chance to see it for free, I might even question you watching it. So big screen, small screen, failing us, failing us, letting us down, Batman. So now, now let's move on to uh, another Batman uh, consumable product. Comic books. The comic books. Um, As you may know, a couple of years ago, I stopped reading Batman monthlies. <laughs> I was reading <laughs> the new 52. I read it from the beginning. I made it up into like zero year. Yeah, I don't think I finished zero year. I think I finally just like, one day I just rage quit. All is that is that when Robin uh, got resurrected? No, that was Robin Rises. Oh, right. That was when I rage quit. Actually, that's when you rage quit. <laughs> Everything is just a preamble to the next thing, which is a preamble to the next thing, which is a major crossover event. And right. They all felt exhausting, and I grew tired of Batman. I love Scott Snyder. Like I thought, the New Fifty Two started strong. The Court of Owls was some of so the good. best new shit introduced to the Batman canon in a long time. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And they just slowly, like, lost me from there. Uh, I just didn't care about it. So I have not been reading Batman. I picked up the trade of Endgame because I wanted to see the Joker come back. Oh, and re- right, even right, read right. it and put it down. was like, the fuck did I just read? <laughs> but I haven't been reading them. But since we knew this Weird. episode, we were going to talk about how Batman's been disappointing us. Yeah. I was like, oh, great. I will go hate read something. And I <laughs> went and picked up the first five issues of Batman Rebirth yeah. from DC Comics. Now, yeah, you yeah. still read Batman monthlies. I still do. Okay. So you know how the New 52 ended. I don't. I don't care. Don't tell me. Okay. I don't want to know what apocalyptic crossover event did it okay and and why they rebooted everything all i knew is that they were rebooting the series all of the series yeah again again so i went to the comic book store and i said give me those first five issues of batman rebirth and they punched me in the mouth and gave me a bag of comics (laughs) and i read them all on the train yes and what 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 was it i sent you a text you (laughs) You you basically gave me a one word response. You would you'd finish the first uh, issue, two. You the first two issues, yeah. and then you texted me, and said you just read the first two issues. And I said and and then you said damn. Oh, I said Jesus. Yeah, you said Jesus. Why don't we start with what do you think of DC's direction with Batman? What they're doing with the the title? Um, because I, not a fair weather fan. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Uh, it's, it's. Are actually, you caught up? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I just read issue five today. So did I. Yeah, I think issue five just came out today. Yes. Um, I like it. I actually. You just said I love it a second ago. I'm sorry. It, same thing. I I, I, I love it. 
Uh, I, I'm really, the, this new storyline is really exciting. Um, and he's also doing some, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the story is actually focusing on uh, Batman thinking about him in the, like, he's thinking ahead, right? He's, he's not really, because most of the time is Batman just being Batman in the present. But this is a Batman who's not only trying to do good in the here and now, but he's also thinking ahead about he can't do this forever. You know, and like he's he's mortal. At some point, he's either going to be injured or die or be too old. Like he's thinking about what's next. And in the midst of all of this, you have um, <laughs> you have two characters who show up. Uh, and this is in the first issue, so I, hopefully I'm not spoiling anything. Just spoil it, because I'm going to. Okay. Uh, in the first issue, the cliffhanger of the first issue is we find Batman trying to pilot an, uh, a 747 that's going to crash. And he ends up um, saving thousands of people. And it's going to land in the water. And it's going to land in a way where everybody's going to survive. But he's going to die. He's he's resigned himself. He's making preparations. He's talking to Alfred and saying things like, would they have been proud? Would my parents would have been proud of me? And Alfred says, they would have been proud of you just like I would have been proud of you. And I started to tear up when I read that. And in the final second, he gets saved by two superpowered beings who are calling themselves Gotham and Gotham Girl. Yes, they are a... Yeah. Um, the, shocker. They are a, uh, an attractive, uh, white... Yeah pair of siblings <laughs> with superpowers yes they fly yeah and they just show up to save the day at the last minute gotham yeah. and gotham girl yeah um i like it i i i'm i'm enjoying the story i'm enjoying seeing this batman test out these new quote-unquote heroes and find out who they are and whether they're actually altruistic and figuring out how they fit in the grand scheme of things and i am actually pretty excited about the twists along the way. Amanda Waller is involved. Um, uh, we, we see, uh, uh, we see uh, Hugo Strange make an appearance. Also Psycho Pirate, which we haven't seen in a long fucking time. I'm excited to see him in the mix. Um, there's a new kind of Robin, kind of replacement um, in this new guy. Uh, new Duke. Uh, Duke Thomas. That's it. Duke Thomas. I'm on board. I'm on board, and I'm and I'm genuinely loving it. This is not me as a Fairweather fan. This is genuinely me actually enjoying it, which huh. which I did not I did not enjoy the wind up of the end of New Fifty Two at all. I cool. thought, don't talk about it. I don't care. Yeah, it wasn't. It just wasn't good. But I read it because um, I can't help myself. Well, now there's a new creative team on this mm-hmm. uh, on this Batman Rebirth. I love the artwork. Yeah, the artwork is great. And that's that's, it? that's the end of all the positive things I'm going to say about oh, it. Oh no! I fucking hate it so much. Oh my god! It's no, so, it's all right. It seems like it's written well, uh-huh. but there's not a good story behind it. But it's oh, still, I disagree. It's I nothing. Disagree. It's like every 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 time somebody new comes in to take a hold of Batman, you get every Batman trope that has ever troped its trope in front of you before. <laughs> every one of them. There's a series of panels with like voiceover where he's talking like, this is my city. Yeah, yeah. I love the smell of the piss and the smoke. And just, you know, the, the, and yeah. then he, he saves the day. And okay, oh, now we got a couple of superpowers. Yeah. We got a couple of new superheroes that we've never seen before. Gotham and Gotham Girl. Well, those are terrible names. 
Um, what's their backstory? Well, we get this flashback where Batman saved one of them yeah. in a fake-out scene that was supposed to make us think we were going to watch the murder of Martha and Thomas Wayne for the use, five billionth time. Use your, but, use your inside voice. No, use it, your was, inside it was voice. just a couple of other white people and their boy. And uh, I don't know where to start by telling you how much I hate this. Oh, I, man. That, I hate it so that much. That breaks my heart. I hate things where there's like in the first issue, there's dialogue between Gordon and Batman where Gordon says, they're talking about the bat signal. This guy's yeah, yeah. like, hey, you think I can get a phone number from you? Be a lot easier to get a hold of you. <laughs> At this point, if you are selling Batman comic books to an audience, could you please just assume that the readers know Batman well enough that you don't have to, you could start a story in the, in the goddamn middle and, and not have to show us, like, establish <laughs> these relationships with, with, with Alfred and... I and, think, I think... They, the the see the problem with a reboot or a, uh, it's not really a reimagining because it's they're 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 re they're relaunching the universe here. Um, I don't have a problem with. I guess I don't. We know. haven't found out. All right, so there's going to be some there's some mysterious backstory, and this whole thing ends. This first five issues is yeah. the end of a story arc. It well, is almost no. It I think is. there's I think there's one more issue. There's not. Stop. It says at the end, next issue and a title. These first five issues are a storyline called I Am Gotham. That's true. No, no, you're right. You're so, right. Yeah, yeah. It, those five issues are their own standalone story. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it ends with them with some voiceover telling us what's going to happen in the future, which is a, a shocking event. Sure. So now we can like read like another 20 issues of a comic book waiting for that thing to happen, right. which will surely tie into some major crossover event. Now they, they've just introduced some dumb character who I don't give a shit about, who has watched another dumb character that I don't give a shit about die. Right. So now there'll be vengeance. Also, this, so this dumbass thing happens and these supers show up and <clears throat> there's a moment where Batman is like, yeah, I'm tired. It would be nice to like somebody with some strength mm-hmm. and powers mm-hmm. to like take up the mantle and save Gotham and mm-hmm. protect Gotham and I'll watch over you. Though he like really fucking trusts these people really quick, even though it's hard to read that shit when you remember that like, oh, you spent like four years trying to make every other Robin like earn your trust. Right. But these people you're like, well, you can fly. I noticed that your name is Gotham. That's stupid. I'm on board. So all of that happens. And then you introduce some, you bring back some dumbass Z list character, like psycho pirate and Hugo <gasps> oh, strange. Shut up. Come on. In the, come and then on. Be- before the whole, before the five issues, five, five issues before yeah. five issues wrap up. You get to squeeze in Amanda Waller to say, mention something about her suicidal squad. Because, because. <laughs> That's not the official because, name. I yes. know, because, no, yeah. because Hugo Strange and uh, Psycho Pirate were uh, there as part of Task Force X. Right. And you better squeeze that in there because some people just saw the movies and they might want to, like, have this universe tied to this universe. And then, also, <laughs> it's four issues, four issues before the fucking Justice League shows up. It, you, for me, you wanted them to show up sooner? No. Any point when I'm reading a, when I'm reading a Batman comic book, the yeah. point when the Justice League starts showing up is the part when I fucking dip. <laughs> because I like to just see him being a mortal brooding man is dealing that, with his mortality and brooding. But is then that is, <laughs> I don't need to see Superman so and Wonder Woman. As, and, as far as you're concerned, uh, Batman jumps the shark when the Justice League shows up. Every time. Every single time. Did you did you mention Dark Side in a Batman book? I'm done. And you know, 
the Justice League shows up to take on these two like these two pretty uh, like rich white kids who just bought some powers in a backstory that we haven't had fully explained to us. Right. They show up to take to because Gotham's going to be destroyed if they don't. And they show up and in like six panels, they've all gotten their asses kicked by these two like pretty kids. Sure. By the hills. Yeah. Basically the kids from the hills. <laughs> And that's it. Like, why did you even bring them in there? I I thought these were like these were gods among men, but right. apparently they couldn't right. take these guys on. So I don't know. Maybe we better squeeze Alfred into a, a Batman costume and create a distraction. It's just every part of it sucks so much. I hated. It. I read it angrily. I wadded the comics up in my hand and shoved them back into my bag on the train as I finished each one. <laughs> Oh, that, so that's how I felt. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. I'm done with Batman books, man. Unless uh, you know, unless people come out like I know that they still collect story arcs into graphic novels, and I've bought a couple of them yeah. since I quit reading. Right, things, right. But, but there aren't any like. It seems rare that they write just a Batman graphic novel now, like they used to back in the day. Like the That's killing true. joke. That's true. There, here's a one-off. Yeah. We just wrote a really good Batman story. Here's the long Halloween. We long just Halloween. we just we just wrote a kick-ass story and we thought we'd collect this by itself, but we don't have to have it tied to fucking Green Lantern or sure, all sure. of the shit that happened in Zero Year. I don't even care what happened in Zero Year anymore. Because it doesn't matter anymore, right? Because no, rebirth. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it in this continuity it still happened, but it's it doesn't matter. I do not care. It doesn't matter. I'm not reading it, these books anymore. Uh, I'm done. This if anything Am I hold on. So then I mean if anything has sealed my interest in reading monthly Batman comic books in concrete and sure. buried it at the yeah. bottom of the Hudson River, yeah. it was the five issues that I just read today. Which you know what? I guess that begs the question because you and I tend to agree um, not across the board, but generally speaking, you and I tend to agree on a lot of things when it comes to Batman consumables. Yeah. Like if there's stuff that we that that you don't like, generally speaking, I probably don't like it either. Well, yeah, but we have exceptions. Yeah, I mean there are obviously exceptions. But we just had one. No, I know, but I guess this is this is the point I'm making. Like this is a fundamental disagreement because I am genuinely liking it. You genuinely despise it. Yeah. So is this an instance where my Fairweather fan is forgiving a uh, fuck ton more than is actually there or are you so curmudgeonly in your uh comic book ways that you're unwilling to forgive comic books for being comic books hmm that's an interesting question yeah you know what listener if if you're listening to two old divorce a's argue about batman and you have an opinion about what is actually happening here then shoot us an email at epicpiecast at gmail.com that's epicpiecast at gmail.com is my fairweather fandom blinding me to the horrors that i'm reading or is my curmudgeonly ways making it incapable to see the good yeah all right um i think that's it that's as far as Batman goes. Well, I mean, you know, there's a, I just saw a trailer today for an animated Batman 66. Right, because there was a comic book series. That well, was there created, still is. Still is, that was based on the, the 60s the Adam television. West, yes. And so now there's an animated feature based on it, and they got Burt Ward, and they got and Adam, Adam West, West Julie Newmar. And Julie Newmar, that's right. Um, based on the trailer that uh-huh. I saw, I hate it. Oh, God, I hate it, too. I hate it with every fiber of my being. And I, and the thing is, it's only the voices. They sound old. 
they sound tired and they do not sound invested at all. Yeah, at one point, one of them shoots a grappling hook and they like spin out of the frame. Don't do that. Throw a fucking rope and walk up the side of a building. If you're supposed to be (laughs) doing like an animated send up of 60s Batman, then do it. Yes, then do do the whole thing. Don't just give us like jokes with old men doing the voices, but give us a regular Batman cartoon. I don't care. I don't care. I saw it and I do not care. Now, granted. Also, it's too late for Adam West. He can't be a voice actor now because he's always going to be the mayor of Quahog from Family Guy. He can't ever be he can't be Batman again as just a voice actor. No, no, too, no. Too all, late. All, all, all I'm going to do is is imagining Mayor West in Quahog, and yeah. it's just going to ruin the whole experience. Um. So yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. So we're going to take a break. Yeah, uh, we need to take a break because I'm angry now. <laughs> I've been shouting for an drink hour. more. We have an interview that I recorded a few nights ago when a friend of the program was in town. Oh. But uh, I don't remember this. We were you weren't here. Oh, yeah. Lugo's you not, did a thing without me. I did. How because dare you? He was here, and I wasn't. And we were we had a recording session because we were recording a track together. Sure. And I said, "Hey, while you're here, think I could squeeze in an interview with you." He was game, so I didn't have time to collect you. To I, I have a of. question. Yeah. Why do you hate me? It's not that I hate you. It's that you live across Astoria, <laughs> and I was right here. In Studio 6C with our guest. So I squeezed it. I texted you. You already gave me your approval. Being stupid. <laughs> so we'll have that interview coming up. But I just yeah. want you to know, if you freak out, Lugo didn't leave in the middle of the no, episode. No, It's just we're no. going back a couple of days. Yeah. This, and I want to say one more thing about that? Batman before we go to break. Sure. Is that I know that we got really worked up about how Batman let us down this month. He and did. all these things. Yes. But here's something you can take solace in. Okay. You can always take solace okay. in. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that all of this entertainment... It doesn't matter because it's all just fleeting distractions and ultimately we're all going to die. Hashtag truth bomb. Folks, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back in just a moment.
flow chill like ice patch Put on some pastels, kick Miami fight straps <laughs> And don't sweat the small at all Cause stress is best to make you fall Hold a guard, that's insignificant We gon' die, guy, how was your time spent? Now on your back you feel the cold wind huh? You know exactly where you go when right. You're slowing down until you're frozen But that don't mean you should give up to get up in that marsh pit It's time to wallow like you lost it No time for regrets Cause you could be next We're all gonna die You can't escape it Ladies and gentlemen, our guest on the program this month is a returning guest to the program. He is based out of Los Angeles. He is a rapper, actor, writer, filmmaker, house builder, animal lover, human lover, billionaire, philanthropist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the program, Mr. Cool Z. Oh my god! I, I knew you were going to end it with philanthropist. You did. I just you, knew that that was coming. Is it because I said billionaire? No, it was just way earlier on. I was like, please just say philanthropist, and I actually used mind techniques to get you to end up there. Oh, I I thought maybe you would know that because the words billionaire and philanthropist are frequently paired together when people discuss Batman because mm-hmm. that's his thing. Yeah, well, I did I did see that coming too. Oh, I, so I so, but you saw it before billionaire. Yeah, I did see it before billionaire. All right, I did. But I also, you know, I believe in my psychic abilities, and I, I steered you towards there. And basically, I took you to the, uh, I took you back in your brain to the to the the. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Part that always functions when nothing else is functioning, and that part, as everybody knows, is the is the Batman part, the Batman part of your brain. And um, so what I did was I just pulled you back, pulled you back out of your fore, your frontal lobe, and I brought you back into the Batman part of your brain, and I knew that that would lead you there. So, Are you suggesting that that's a part that is specific to my brain or that everybody has a Batman part in their brain? Uh, no, just you. Okay. Uh, well, it's true. There is a part of my brain that is, even when I'm unconscious or when I'm conscious and utterly focused on something, there's a part of my brain that is still thinking about Batman. I know. You were sound checking earlier, and I heard you. That's true. I- <laughs> Yeah, I, you thought you you thought I didn't hear you, but I, I was in the other room and I heard you Batmaning. Yeah, I can't not do it. One, two, Batman, Batman. Yeah, exactly. I heard this. So, uh, Cool Z, um, you're back here. We get you here. The last time we had you on the show, I think was episode twenty two. Ooh, I was drunk and angry, and sick, and Wait. I'm sorry for everything that happened. I don't think you owe anybody an apology. Yes, it was episode 22 was when we had you. And both times that we've had you, you've been in town on tour. So this has been like a, a stop, a night off on tour where you come over and hang out with me and we get you to talk about stuff into a microphone. Mm-hmm. And this, is, this time is no different because you just wrapped up a tour last night in Brooklyn. True that. Are you glad the tour's over? I am. I am. But it's really, I, I'm kind of entering tour season so it's not really over. It's actually part of this bigger tour I'm going on called Virgo It Alone. Right. Uh, this was the this section was uh, in support of Copyright's new album, Blood, Bath, and Beyond, which I released on Public School Records. <clears throat> oh, I didn't realize that you re- released that. I knew that it was yeah. his album release party. I didn't know that you had released that. Yeah, yeah. We put it out in July on Public School Records. Um but yeah, this this is part of a bigger tour. I've got a whole bunch more shows coming up in September, October. Uh, I'm 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 out into October right now already with shows. I'm I'm trying to clamp it down after that so that I don't go completely crazy. But we definitely have like a buttload of more shows coming up. Yeah. So yeah, Vir- you will you you can find them under Virgo it alone if you look it up around or just you know all the regular ways. Oh, uh, we'll th- we'll throw some links up mm-hmm. on the in the show notes okay. that, that can direct people to where they can find you. This is cool. It's kind of, it's like NPR. You have it like you have it's like you have a, a website with links. And oh, stuff supplemental like that. materials for the program. Sure. Yeah. I feel like I'm not speaking gently enough though to really make it an NPR experience. Yeah, get your Terry Gross on it. So, Coolsy, you've been rapping for 75 years. That's not true. Okay. So you you live in Los Angeles. You've just wrapped up a tour. Uh, you're going home soon. For briefly. Right. Briefly before you go back out again. I'm, I got shows next weekend. Fall is, is fall, you describe that as tour season. Is that is that when you typically chain learned, a bunch of tours together? I kind of learned that fall and spring are good tour seasons because college is in and, you know. Uh, the weather's decent and you know summertime is just too hot and everybody's not you know in the the certain everybody just goes back to certain towns and 
But yeah, yeah. This is a thing that I've learned recently from people in New York, uh, specifically from the burlesque community, mm-hmm. is that August is a hard sell month to do shows. This is not a thing that I was aware of. I thought that all year long in major cities was was ripe for luring an audience to a performance. But I hear a lot of burlesquers tend to dial back their shows in August because it's a difficult month. Now, is that a thing that happens in L.A.? Because the weather is pretty consistent most of the year. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think it's pretty pretty steady out there. Really? Yeah, so this is you think this is a New York thing because I think it's wherever is, there's weather, probably. You've shown up in New York during in the grips of a horrible heat wave. Yeah, this is this is oppressive. This yeah. is definitely oppressive. But you know, I've actually kind of enjoyed it. I feel like it's some sort of it's like a health spa. You know, like you <laughs> just you feel like you're just constantly sweating stuff out. It's like a health spa where like you can smoke cigarettes and drink the whole time. It's true. They don't typically let you do those. Uh, things anymore in spas but i feel good about it because like the toxins are going in they're going right out you know so you know it's just kind of a it's kind of like a pure way to do the toxins i think you just like absorb them and and then you just sweat them right out onto the street and they mix in with all the other grime and then they go down the gutters does that then make it particularly uh, cathartic then for you to wrap up a tour in uh, a horrible city like New York, uh, during the grips of a heat wave in August, because then you've been out on the road for a couple of weeks. So then when you get here and you, you finish and you can rest, then you begin to sweat out all of the grime of the tour. Is that what, does that happen? I don't know. I think you're reading too much into this, man. Okay. I think I, think I might've, I might've reached a little hard. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, I mean, uh, I, I feel like I'm in the thick of it still, man. I feel like I, I feel, I mean, I still got plane rides ahead of me. I got to wake up at, or, freaking four o'clock in the morning you know it, i i feel like i'm in the thick of it still i got two sh- i got shows in las cruces and phoenix next weekend so i'm only gonna be home for a couple of days you know when do you go back out for your next stretch then well i have I, i'm doing a weekend next weekend in the southwest and then i'm doing another weekend in colorado at the beginning and colorado and new mexico at the beginning of september and then I'm doing a stretch with my friend Daryl Pounds from Oshkosh, Wisconsin in the Midwest in late September. And then Moody Black and I are doing um, kind of like an East Coast Southern tour in October at the beginning. And then I'm going out with Sleep Beggar from the UK at the end of October Damn. Uh, in the UK. And um, yeah, and then that's that's just as far as I've got right now. And we'll see what happens after that. Sure. Um, what are you going to do? I, I just assume that when you get back to Los Angeles after the end of a trip that you do unspeakably weird shit. That's... I also assume that when you're on the road, you do unspeakably <laughs> weird shit. And I'm only, I only assume that because I've been on the road with you and I've seen you do unspeakably weird shit. Well, maybe what, what is unspeakably weird to you? What that you've seen me do that is unspeakably weird? Seriously? Yeah, I want to hear this. Okay, in your in your perspective, because because I I really the thing is I don't re, I don't understand people at all, so I uh, to me it's really interesting for me to see what is unspeakably because everything everybody is doing around me all the time is unspeakably weird to me. So um, I'm, I'm I'm constantly speechless of just everybody's regular everyday activities. All so right. what do you think? Well, I feel like you bring a lot of weird to your live show. You. 
you perform on hip hop bills with hip hop acts, but then you'll still kind of throw in like a Frank Sinatra cover into the mix, or you'll do some call and responses that are just kind of baffling. And those things, I don't think the, that's the unspeakably weird shit. I think that that's just part of your live show, which I think is unrivaled by any of my peers. I oh, There are few, thanks. I cannot, off the top of my head, I cannot name a live performance that fills me with as much joy as a live Cool Z show. And oh, in full disclosure, oh. we've been friends for a very long time. So seeing you is usually... You'd think you get bored. No, well... Unless I'm on the road with you, seeing you is like a treat, and it's usually at the end of a trip or in the middle of a trip, and I get to see you for one night in the middle of it, so I get this little glimpse into this tour. And so all of anything that you do on stage that is weird is is exciting, and it's excellent, and it's it's always a standout performance on a bill that you're on because you do things that nobody else does. But that's garden variety cool Z weirdness. I'm talking about the special cool z tour weirdness when we used to tour together a lot we Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time driving back and forth across the country over the past 10 12 years there were times when i would describe a special point in the tour when you would stop being cool z and you would start being tour z and tour z was cool z but in the grips of road madness Mm -hmm. who would do as i said before unspeakably weird things (laughs) do you really want an example yeah give a couple examples I'm 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 sorry, my brain is but you, you can jog it. Jog it. Okay. My favorite of them, I believe. One night we were performing in Lansing, Michigan mm-hmm. at a place called the Temple Club that had formerly been a church and had been converted into a music venue, but still looked like a church, still had stained glass windows. Mm-hmm. And we were performing on that tour. We'd been out for a couple of weeks. I think we'd made it from Seattle all the way to Michigan at that point. And you went on stage, and you played a couple of songs that you had normally been opening your set with. And then, at one point in your set, you just stopped in the middle of a song, and on the turntable, you went through, your, you dug through your creative records, and you found the Muppet Movie soundtrack. And you put on the song Moving Right Along from the Muppet Movie soundtrack, and you just played it, and you sat on a stool and stared at the floor <laughs> for most of the song. And I, I stood there as befuddled as the audience and looked around and, and, and saw people looking to one another and mouthing the words, what the fuck, to one another, trying to figure out what's happening. You stopped the song suddenly. You pulled the needle off the record. It scratched. Suddenly you started doing stand-up. And I, you, I, I believe at this point, this is many years ago, I believe you had not done stand-up. No, prior, yeah, it was probably practice. the beginnings of it. So you did a couple of jokes uh, to a, a, a still utterly befuddled audience. At the end of this series of jokes, I thought you were going to go into another song and wrap up your set. Instead, you put on Moving Right Along from the Muppet Movie soundtrack again and sat on a stool and stared <laughs> at the floor. This went on a couple of times until the length of your set had ended. You did close with a rap song, but it was uh-huh. it was the strangest performance I've ever witnessed. Well, I believe. It sounds like I was bombing to me. I think you were killing <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I still do that shit, to tell you the truth. I still, like, I was in Lawrence about a year ago, and I just, I I, I just decided to do a stand-up set because, I don't know, I just sometimes, I just go with it. I don't know, I like, I was in, a couple years ago, I was in um, Salem, Oregon, and I was just losing my mind, 
and there's this rapper. Wait, were you losing your mind because of Salem, Oregon, or were you losing your mind because of the tour? Uh, everything. You okay. know, I, I mean, it was cool. Like we were having a good time and stuff. It's just every once in a while you just walk into a situation, and, or I walk into a situation and it snaps me. Something snaps in my brain, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I guess maybe here's a weird story for you, a tour story. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why I had a long blonde wig with me that was like kind of like a rock star glam wig, uh, but I I just like heard this really horrible rapper rap, and I was just like over it, and I didn't, and so I just walked up on stage and I told my friend Jason to just start playing guitar, and he just started playing this really psychedelic, delay, delayed-out guitar in the background. And I put on the blonde wig. I had the blonde wig on, and I was wearing a suit jacket. And then I just took my pants off really slowly and just stood there without my pants on and started to do uh, stand-up comedy w- with lots of delay on my voice. And um, While the guitar continued? While the guitar was playing. And, you know, yeah, like every once in a while you have to do that shit, man. It's I think it's... I mean, even on this tour, like at one point, you know, I was in uh, some small East Coast town where, you know, it's like Boston, New York crowds get me, you know, like the the bigger cities, it seems like. But you've never some of these places I'd never been before that seem to be more like, you know, macho. They're looking for a certain thing. Even on this tour, I believe it was Hartford. I was doing the Frank Sinatra cover of um, Young at Heart Mm -hmm. and everybody just just looked <laughs> i couldn't even the 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 looks on people's faces were so crazy to me uh i just kind of like went off into my own world and i just kind of like walked over to the corner of the stage and back in the back and i was just looking out the back door and like watching the cars go by and lean, <laughs> leaning on the rail and just like singing but and i just kind of wa- went off into my own world and was just like singing to myself and uh you know it just happens man every once in a while you snap out you snap out there at this at this particular show I, was this a more conventional hip-hop show Yes, like convention, like hip hop acts, hip hop audience. Everybody was expecting a full on hip hop show. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, this tour has definitely been more like that, which is cool because I grew up on hip hop and I grew up, you know, like listening to a lot of East Coast rugged head nod stuff. But I've just gotten to the point where I like to switch it up. I like to do. I like to entertain. You know, I like to. Uh, and the, these. Some some of these hip hop hip hop shows are very just you know they want one thing they want a bunch of guys testosterone filled dudes screaming you know whatever they want to scream about. But I believe I described it earlier today as like an eight man cipher that goes on for four hours before you get to stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's not a problem that just I have to deal with. A lot of people have to deal with it. Um, I understand that what they're trying to do is to get a bunch of locals on the bill to, you know, bring people out and stuff like that. But it's something's not working there, you know, with the whole like eight people, you bring eight 35 year old white dudes, uh, who are very angry on stage to scream. And then you put the headliners at the end. They're not, there's a good chance at least half the people are going to walk out by the time you get on stage, you know? Sure. (laughs) But, uh, anyways, that's that's the life we live. I mean, it's, it was the opposite of the of the tour I did with Joe Jack Talcum from Dead Milkman in February March, as I was telling you, which was 
very nice, you know, like older punk rock crowds and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I like to experience the different things. I like to experience different people. I'm glad people are different. It's just that at those shows, <clears throat> there's it's very homogenous. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's one of the things I've always kind of admired about your act and about your your personal like performance philosophy is that your show always keeps people guessing, even if they're, they're fans of your act, like you're going to come out, you're going to do some straight up hip hop songs. And in the middle of your act, you're going to break out a guitar and you're going to do some sort of like power pop rock songs. And then you might throw in a Frank Sinatra cover and then you're going to do some more hip hop songs. And some audiences may be confused by that, by this, such a sharp shift in dynamics during the course of one man set. But as a result of that, that means that you get to play on, you fit on bills with so many acts. Like you can do straight up hip hop shows. You can do indie rock shows. You can do comedy shows. You can do so many things. Now, do, do these disparate elements, do they create this kind of bewilderment in all of these different sorts of crowds? Or no. is it just the hip hop crowds? No, really. And actually, the hip, to tell you the truth, the hip hop crowds are very receptive to it. And, uh-huh. uh I seem to be able to do really well. Um, it's just that I'm talking more about the battle rap, uh, ang- sure. angry hip hop crowds. You know, like, I, be- I believe you noted the testosterone, before. yeah, <laughs> the, the the bro rap. Because there's a lot of there's a, you know hip hop has a lot of genres within it these days. I don't know if they all have names and stuff, but you know, like there's a there's a lot of there's conscious hip hop and indie hip hop and art. There's even like a thing called art rap now. You know, yeah, and uh, I mean it's a nerdcore, of course. It's like, yeah, I know I do, I do well, actually, really well with the hip hop crowds and the indie rock crowds and stuff. As far as that goes, I, I think that was actually one of my worries when I was first when I put my first album out and I continued to like do multi genre stuff. Is that you know it would be hard to. People, I feel like people need to compartmentalize things to be able to process them, you know, and um, and so I was worried about that, but I've had enough positive feedback through the years doing what I do, and you know, just that it's people that that know me know that's what I do. That I feel like it's a, and I get a lot. I mean, I get a lot of positive feedback about it. It used to be when I wasn't very good at it. You know, I'm not. I I haven't been very good at performing live only for a couple of years. I feel like I feel like I sucked before that. But I, since I've felt confident with my live performance, it's I, it's been noted to me that by me that the um the everybody that's coming up to me understands it better it flows better like it makes sense they whereas i used to get comments like it just doesn't make sense like why would you do that you know really it, yeah i when i first started out <laughs> doing it but uh but now what a, what a thing for an audience member to <laughs> give us feedback to a <laughs> I performer hey i saw you perform i didn't get it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it wasn't a lot but you know it was enough times that i was like well huh but yeah, these days I I really get that, and I, and I'm really happy that people understand it and understand that's who I am, and you know, I mean, shit, like I grew up on Beck and the Beastie Boys and Outkast and shit like that, you know, like that's all genre switching stuff, you know. So yeah, I've I've done a, a lot of shows with you in a lot of cities in America, and I still hugely the majority of the response is sort of joy from the audience. Like I watch them. I like to watch an audience 
from the audience during a cool CSET. Because mm-hmm. I like to watch them get like really hype on your hip hop songs. And then when you pick up a guitar and then to, then I like start watching the room and watch them go like, what is happening here? Huh. This is this defies my expectations of what I'm supposed to see at a rap show. Uh, and then it always kills because, I mean, your guitar stuff is really strong. Thanks, man. The audience always seems to enjoy it. But it is it is fun to watch that like almost fear it's a confusion that's so thick and runs so deep that it's almost fear of what is going to happen uh and i i think that that's exciting and i don't know anybody else who can do that like that 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 gets they can elicit that many emotions from a from a cold audience dude i appreciate that so much man i mean it's hard to you know be you know subjective versus objective when you're doing it yourself so it's i appreciate that sort of feedback it's good to know because i'm i'm probably not noticing it myself you know <laughs> well i mean you say you seem to feel you seem to have a pretty uh, positive uh, s- summation of the show experience following the show I think I used to not the when I say that I used to be bad is I used to not have as much fun. I used to be more worried about the performance. Yeah. That's all right. That's a good distinction to make. I feel like years ago I saw that in your face and in your eyes when you would go on stage that you looked a little more nervous about what you were doing. And I think that's that's where it has it has since developed <laughs> into like you know, I used I'm going to do this and it's going to be fun and you're coming along with me. You know what it, I think it to take it back to stand-up comedy, I got really comfortable with bombing to the point where I was just so comfortable uh, bombing that I, my comfortability transferred into some sort of uh, confidence. <laughs> I don't know. And then I and then people started liking it, and then I was like, oh well, I, I wonder if this comes from the confidence of that I that I feel comfortable bombing or succeeding either way, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. The thing is, is that I feel from my years in stand up that there's, there is definitely something important and educational that a performer learns from bombing a lot. Mm -hmm. Now it can be applied. The lesson that is learned from that can be applied in one of two ways. You can either do what you've done with it and be like, all right, I know what doesn't work and I know I know what it feels like when a crowd doesn't like it and I can either adjust my material or adjust my expectations based on knowing that that's a possibility, right? Uh One of the other things you could do with it is become one of those sort of ironic performers who goes out and is like, oh man, I heard a Neil Hamburger record and now that's my thing. I'm, Uh I'm bad at comedy or I'm bad at rap and I go out and try to get audiences to boo me and that is tedious and yeah. overdone and just boring as fuck. Yeah. And you've never done that with it. Like I you feel like you're well. in the, in that rare sect where you went out and you bombed a bunch of times and you took the important lesson from it. Oh, thank you, man. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm not wrong. You never go out trying to like you never go out with the intention of I'm going to alienate this crowd. I'm going to piss them off. Not anymore so much, but no. I, but yeah, like for example, like I was talking about that Salem crowd. I definitely was doing that back then, but then I'm talking about a while ago, you know. Yeah. Um Hey, this is something that I was going to ask you because I've never seen you bomb. I've always seen people just <laughs> I've <laughs> I've always seen you like I remember when we first started touring we were playing punk rock clubs, and and 
because we did rap, we, we played with a lot of uh, multi-genre acts, but because we did rap, we ended up with a lot of, like, even, like, you know, kind of gangster rappers or, like, mm-hmm. hardcore dudes. And they always seemed to, you would pull out cat people of all songs, and <laughs> you would have, like, super thugged out looking dudes, like, throwing their paws in the air and stuff like that. And, I mean, that's my memory of you performing from the beginning. I, I never have really seen you bomb, so... I was going to ask you, because I'm curious, like, do you have a story about the worst time that you've ever bombed? Oh, my God, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> Or one of the worst times that you've ever bombed? The worst time I have ever bombed. Um, and, and, and thank you for saying that. I feel like maybe I have been... I feel like when I go on tour, um, I... Playing a bunch of audiences that you don't know and cities that you don't know is, is, can always be a little bit intimidating. But I've always felt like I have this extra force field with me when I'm on tour with you. Like, I don't feel quite as afraid of walking into some strange... Like, even last year, we did a show in Madison, Wisconsin. And oh, yeah. remember, remember we went to, to Soundcheck and we saw, like, the, the rap group that was going to open for us? We saw them do, like... For Soundcheck, they did, like, their entire set and they were super aggressive and angry. Yeah. Like... If I had been on that tour by myself, I would have been nervous by that. But I was with you, so I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm with Cool Z. I'm fine. Like, I felt... And then you killed that show. It was... Well, it's... I I am... I somehow got, like, this bolstered confidence because I was like, well, no matter what happens, I'm with Cool Z, so I'm going to be fine. (laughs) Um, But it hasn't always been that way. I have bombed horrifically so many times. I have not known my audience in such a profound way so many times <laughs> the worst ever was it was about 10 years ago and i was on tour and i was in atlanta and i was playing this venue and uh there were a couple of local acts i think there was a rock band and a rapper and i was kind of in the middle and i came out and they just hated my guts from go i came out on stage in a suit and they just hated me so they started heckling me from the beginning of the set. I would do my songs, and they would like all my little transitional bits. They just talked over them, telling me how much I sucked. Mm. And so I got really pissy. I'd been on the road for like a couple of weeks, and that was the longest tour I'd ever done, where I was the only one in the car, where I was going from city to city by myself. And I had really bad road madness and just utter fatigue, and I was over all of it. So I just started insulting these assholes. I just started playing like part of a song, stop the song and, and like inter- engage with them to talk about why they hated me so much. And I was just insulting them and I was playing songs and changing the lyrics to insult the room in Atlanta. And I was just having fun with it. There were, I mean, I could see that there were a couple of smiling faces who were of people who were into it. So I was playing to those, that 2% of the room, the rest of the room wanted me dead. Um, by the time I finally wrapped up my set, the club uh, manager I was like packing up my gear. He ran up on stage and kind of like put his arm around me and kind of led me to this like back door area um, because apparently it was more serious than I realized is that, that there were people in the room who were like who wanted my blood. Oh, they hated God. me so much. <laughs> and I, all I did was antagonize them. I was younger then. I hadn't really learned a lot of the nuance <laughs> of being a traveling performer. So he led me through a back door. Uh, luckily I didn't have merch set up so I didn't have anything to tear down because I was just going to try to sell merch from the stage he led me out a back door 
into the parking lot where my car was. He walked me to my car. He handed me an envelope with my cut of the money and was like, you should probably just go. <laughs> I've, which I've an experience I've never had since where the, where the owner was like, Hey, you know, good job, but you should go because if you stay here, you're going to get hurt. And I just got straight into my car, still sweaty from the show and just drove off into the night. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, so that's probably the worst I've ever bombed, but I've had a lot of the garden variety bombing where the audience just yells, you suck a lot and, and hates yeah. me. And, and that's fine. I can deal with that. That's, that's a, uh, you seem to draw the extreme reactions out of people though. They either absolutely love you or they'll hate you. Right. Yeah. Like, would you say that about your? Yeah. I, I feel like there haven't been a lot of people. Who, and your social presence too. I feel like it's another thing, you know? They, yeah. I have people, I feel like I have people who follow me online just to hate me. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, I mean, you've got some trolls. I sure do. <laughs> and I like to keep them around. <laughs> I like to make them welcome at the table because I feel their negative feedback is prevents my, all my social media presence from becoming an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jesus. Yeah, man. I, I mean, well, this takes me back to H-Mail, right? Okay. okay. You know the song H-Mail that we did together on Manslaughter? Yes. Was it Manslaughter? Yes. yes. That was on a record I put out in 2009. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was a song about, you, you know, pe- people writing hate mail. And you you came to me with it, and I wrote my, my verse. And, and But when I was listening to your verse, I was like, Mark has a lot more direct <laughs> hatred <laughs> directed towards him. Because that was the way I pitched it to you. I was like, <laughs> I want you to write a verse from the voice of the people who have said terrible things to you on the internet. And whenever possible, quote exact things that people have said about you on the internet. Yeah. And so for me, it was more just like this passive-aggressive uh, testosterone bro hip-hop people that were like, you're you articulate you you are a white guy from Iowa you uh you know you wear brown pants you have a mustache <laughs> you're a hipster you're a you you should stay a fan you shouldn't uh, make hip hop music you're not acting the part you know yeah and and, it, and a lot of it my verse was very um very more things that it, it seemed like it was somewhat passive not you know totally ag- aggressive uh whereas i was surprised even back then and still to this day uh to see that your fan base or non fan base <laughs> is a lot more direct and uh, with their aggression if the, or with their you know or they just like stand behind you like in uh, but yeah like the, the, when they do have that hatred or, or when they do want to say something to you, it seems like it's way more direct and aggressive, like uh, than than passive. Uh, oh yeah, I, it's. I don't know if it's because I've been a part of the the nerdcore scene, and because uh, that scene has a bunch of people who are who were internet savvy before the average Joe was internet savvy. So they felt they were poning people before they were poning people before anybody knew what poning meant. <laughs> and before poning stopped being a word <laughs> that, that when I, did it officially stop being a word? Uh, probably around 2009. <laughs> I think I, I think when I used it, it was already passe. I'm sure I made new haters who heard that song. And they're like, dude, did you just say pwned? It's 2009. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know what it is, but I, I, I feel like maybe I, because the combination of nerdcore fans having that kind of 
access to the internet and me being so accessible that that the the hatred I've gotten from the internet has been so unfiltered and so direct and so just bloodthirsty like in a way where I was under I I couldn't understand where like I there are celebrities on television or or even like indie musicians that I hear where I'm like I really don't like them but I would never suggest to them that they should kill themselves. <laughs> I don't understand where that yeah. how much I've typically when I hear something that I don't like, I just stop listening to it and then mm-hmm. I move on with my day. <laughs> well, I think that from my perspective, at least it balances itself out with a very loyal and uh, loving fan base that you seem to have as well. Yeah, and so. there and those people, I feel. I appreciate them. The people who are still fans, I appreciate them so much because I have spent years trying to alienate them. You're all I've got. You're all I've got. And I still write songs about how I don't like you. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. I really do appreciate your support. Uh, I I, I don't know what my deal is. I just look, I hate myself a lot. (laughs) Well, I love you, man. Well, thanks. I love you. (laughs) <laughs> I want to tell one of my other favorite uh, Tours these stories. Okay. This is not on stage. Okay. I don't know where this happened. <laughs> I just want to tell this story about one of the other times I saw you absolutely succumb to madness. Okay. Okay. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know where we were. I, I don't know what year it was. But I know that we were on tour. That's a great way to begin. A, <laughs> I don't know a, where we were. I don't know what time, what or, year it was. I'm going to start a novel like that. I'm gonna. It's gonna be in my cover of um, a tale of two cities. <laughs> That's I'm what gonna, I'm gonna do. A concept album <laughs> that is just telling a retelling of the tale of two cities. It's gonna start with I don't know. All right, a tale of what cities? And the tale of cities. <laughs> cities. Um, I don't know where we were, but we were on tour, and DJ Fed Up, rest in peace, was there R. with R. us. And we'd been out for a couple of weeks, and the things were tense in the van. They're always tense in the van because, you know, you spend a lot of time packed in a car with somebody, but then you also have, like, a giant personality, like, DJ fed up with you, which... And a giant bag of hash. A giant bag of hash, yeah. <laughs> and no, nothing else. No. And uh, also on that tour, there was a gun in the, in the van. Did we find out about that only halfway through the tour? Well, here's the thing, Quilsey. All right. <laughs> I knew about the gun from the beginning. Because I was with Fed Up when he was like hiding it in the van, and I was like, "Uh, why are you bringing a gun on our goofy little indie rap tour?" And he was like, "You know, just in case," because he was like a weed dealer, and he was like wanted to protect himself. And I was like, "I am not comfortable with this gun being around." And he asked me to not tell you that it was in the car. Oh my god! Hold on, hold on. I know I kept a secret from you, but the thing is, is that he was your DJ. Like I had just met him, and I was like, "This is something between the two of them. They're going to work out." I don't want to get in the middle of it, and I definitely don't want to rat on the guy who just I saw handling a gun. Yeah. So I was in this weird position where I was like, "I'm I just going to pretend like I didn't see this happen." I understand. But he had it hidden under the carpet in a hole in the van like there was a hole in the floor you remember because that tour there was a hole in the bottom of the van so when oh, we would drive water would come up through water it. would come up when it was raining out and it would like bubble up through the things <laughs> the gun was hidden under there and we were somewhere gun. we were somewhere in Iowa and we were like loading up the van and I, he put it in there and he told me he took me aside and he's like yo I'm putting a, I'm putting a piece in here so we had oh a gun god. on that whole trip and I never said anything oh my god but then I was like, why should I say anything about it? I didn't say anything about the fucking eight ball of Coke that he brought with on the trip either. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. 
Yeah. What? I was doing coke in those days. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I didn't know there was an eight ball of coke. Well, he had it on him, yeah. So there were, there were nights when we were doing late night drives where you were- I didn't know this. Yeah. You were asleep in the back and he was driving and I was sitting in the front seat just listening to his stories while he was like rolling down his window and screaming at cars in the middle of the night. <laughs> and, uh, and that was when Mike Jones was really popular. That was when the Mike Jones became really popular because we called into a radio station to request Mike Jones so we could yell Mike Wait Jones. Wait a minute. I'm still, I'm, I'm still reeling here. Yes. About which part? The coke and the gun. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a lot of info Wait, to give to you about our dead Is this story friend. done yet or no? No. <laughs> it's not done yet. All right, hold on. Just let me take a breath. Okay. Okay. By the way, I know it's bad storytelling if the gun doesn't go off, but there is no more of the gun. The gun is done. I okay. Know. That's, it just stayed in there. It was there for the whole trip. It's enough. The gun, By the has, time the gun has done enough. We went coast to coast. By the time we ended in Boston, I peaced out. I got on a plane, flew back to New York. That was the end of it. I don't know what happened with the gun or your guy's trip back to the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. It's... <laughs> I can't believe I've actually never told you that. <laughs> I remember the gun at some point. I remember realizing there was a gun there, but I feel like it was one of those things during Tour Madness where it surfaced, and my brain was like... Oh, my God. My brain I, was like, it's not real. No, I do remember that. It did come up in a moment. He mentioned something about it, and you asked him about it, but you were already in the depths of like Tour Madness, that you were like... Eh. Yeah, yeah. When I did finally find out about it, it was enough craziness that I was just like, whatever. This is par for the course. Yeah. But, oh, my God. But I, I, I guarantee you I immediately suppressed the knowledge of the gun. If, <laughs> if I did really, really know about it in my right mind at all, yeah. because it still feels like news to me right now. I still kept thinking the whole time. I was like, you have a gun on tour with Cool Z and Schaefer the Dark Lord? <laughs> I have known indie folk bands that are harder than us that probably needed a gun on tour, but uh, we're not, we didn't need that. <coughs> oh my God. Anyway, there was one point on that trip where we were in the depths of madness and we were somewhere, we were either somewhere in the Southeast or in the Midwest and you were driving. Had to have been in the Midwest because I had never been to the Southeast yet. Okay. Then you were, you were driving. Uh, Fed Up was in the front passenger seat. No, I was in the front passenger seat. Fed Up was in the back. And we're driving down the road, and we're heading to a show, and we're probably roughly on time. We're probably about an hour away from our from our show, and we're driving, and it's raining out, and we're, we've all kind of we've got really bad cabin fever from being in the car. And at some point, with no announcement whatsoever, you pulled the car off the road, and you pulled into a parking lot of some like apartment complex, <laughs> and you got out of the car. You left the car running. You left the lights on. You just opened the door and walked away from the van. And presumably you were walking away to pee. Maybe you did. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I just remember looking out the window at you, and it's raining. And you're standing there looking up to the heavens with your both arms outstretched, just looking up. You didn't make <laughs> an announcement like, hey, guys, you know what? I've been in this van for a long time. I feel like I need to get out and do like a Jesus pose in the rain. This would be really refreshing. No announcement. You pulled off the road. As far as I knew, you were pulling up to our venue, but you didn't. You just pulled off the road, left the car running. You might not even put it in park. We might have drifted a little bit, and you just walked away. And I feel like a part of me at the time was like, he's just had it with us. He's had it with me. He's had it with Fed Up. Maybe it's about the gun. I don't know, but he's just over this. No, that was – I remember that. Um, That was on the East Coast, actually. 
Was it? Yeah, it was on the East Coast. We were be, we had been in traffic all day. And this can be very easily traced back to the fact that, I don't know if you remember, but when you, in the van, when you removed the ashtray from, from, uh, from you took the a- actual ashtray out, yeah. underneath there was a little compartment, and in that compartment, um, we didn't have any weed on this tour, but instead we had blocks of hash oh, yeah. <laughs> that we were smoking all day, every day, just nonstop. That's true. We did. So what that more had to do with than anything was the fact that I had been driving in like East Coast in the rain, late for a show in East Coast, uh, gridlocked, uh, you know, traffic for uh, all along the coast and was high as hell on this hash that we had been smoking, which starts to catch up with you if you smoke hash every every day, you know, yeah. every single day. And, you're and like, you smoke it for hours in the way that you would normally smoke weed. Yeah, it's uh, so I just was yeah I was done. I something happened. I needed. I think I just needed to feel the rain or something, yeah. man. But it, no, it had nothing to. May have had something to do with fed up. Rest in peace. But um, he was he was definitely a very dynamic personality. I'll say that. <laughs> um, and um, but it definitely had nothing to do with you, my friend. Okay. Uh, but it was mostly to do with the hash and we I'm didn't thinking. and the traffic. I mean, the thing is that like fed up was never like confused about anything. He was always like too cool for everything. He was always just like, yeah, fuck it. This is, this is a waste of my time. I'm too cool for this. I'm going to go do the show, whatever. But even in that moment, when you walked away from the van, even he looked at me with like this weird kind of fear and confusion in his eyes. Like what's going on with Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and when he reacted like that, I was like, Oh shit! Maybe this is something we should be concerned about because Fed Up now gives a shit. <laughs> uh, that's like my f- that's like that is one of my favorite tour moments ever because it just was so sudden and so. I've told that story to so many people about <laughs> uh, about just what touring is like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it's 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 a perfect uh, it's a perfect little slice of tour that really speaks to the bigger picture i feel or at least of our experience yeah traveling together. and the thing is so many things like that happen on a daily basis one thing about tour is you cannot process it until you are done and you have some time away from it and then even oh, yeah. then when it starts creeping in you're like you can only handle snippets of it at a time because so many things happen in a day you see so many things that you just can't process it all at once. When, like right now, being done with this tour, I can't go back through every day, and there's no way I could even catalog all the things that happened. I would need somebody else who was on the tour with me to be like, "Oh yeah, you forgot about this." Well, you're and also you forgot about this, right? You're also still out. Like you haven't yeah. gone home yet, and I feel that's a big part. Even if you ha- take like if you get to yeah. the end of a tour and you have a couple of days left, and you're just hanging out in the city because you have friends there, you're still in that mode. Even if you don't have a show, if it's the first day you haven't had a show, you need to be home among your belongings and your bed yeah. when you start thinking about it and you're like, holy shit, what actually happened? <laughs> and that's, I, I feel, when you... Yeah. And that, I feel like you can even sort out 
whether it was good or bad or whatever. It's like a trip. It's like it really is like an acid trip or a mushroom trip. You yeah. can't sort out whether it was good or bad. And, you know, it kind of makes you question whether things are good or bad at all or if things just happen. <laughs> and that happens every time. I'm like, maybe I'm maybe my negative attitude about this is misplaced misplaced because there really maybe there isn't anything that is deserving of a negative attitude uh-huh. maybe i maybe that's some shit that i brought with me before the tour and actually i'm not just rolling with this yeah because that's it, it, it i think i feel like describing like comparing it to a psychedelic experience is very accurate because you just have to go with what happens next <laughs> and you don't have a choice yeah drugs you're trapped in the drugs are in your system you have to do it on tour You've booked these dates. Yeah. Like, you didn't have a great show in Athens, Georgia. Big fucking deal. You have to go in the van, and you have to go to the next venue, and you have to do it again. Yeah. And you got to plaster a smile on your face. It doesn't matter how sincere it is. You have to do it. Your girlfriend's breaking up with you. Somebody in your family's died. It doesn't matter. Right before the show, you could have, like, a horrible argument with a loved one. Yeah. And then, right, or you get a text right before you're about ready to play on stage. Yeah. And you're just like... Oh, God. I was on tour with you once, and I got a text right before one of the shows from my ex-wife, but we were married at the time, informing me that we were being evicted from our apartment. Oh, my God. And I didn't respond enough, and I was like, that sucks. I'll deal with it when I get home. And she was, like, very angry. And I had to, like, text back and say, like, I I can't actually process this information right now because all I know (laughs) is that I have to go do this set again tonight for more strangers in a different city and I have to pretend like it's fun. So when the second I get home, we'll deal with our eviction. (laughs) Yes. It's intense. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah. You know, it's a a dynamic life. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, I I wish I had a little more sanctuary. I mean, I, I have a more like, I have a thing going on. I have my I love my apartment in LA. I love my house in Iowa. Like they they've been giving me a little more stability lately, but I think in the years before, the last few years since I've had those things really uh being set adrift, you know, among all that stuff and not having the sanctuary. I've been kind of a little bit jealous. You always seem to have a very uh very tight sanctuary set up, you know? Uh yeah, I mean I I know that you have been in between apartments and at times in between cities when we've mm-hmm. been on the road and you've been like and you tell me these things like oh when i get done i'm going to go to this city for a few weeks i'm going to work on this record and then i'm going to go to this city for a few weeks and work on this house and then i'm going to go back to la because i'm working on this screenplay and that's never been a part of my reality mine i've always had a home base of operations in new york city and when the tour is over i'm going to come back here and crawl under the covers mm-hmm. and hide from the world for as long as possible mm-hmm. to recover and lick my wounds and process all of the insane shit that happened out there <laughs> so but now you can kind of relate cuz now that's more your experience yeah, i'm trying to gear towards that i think it's a healthy thing you know to have some some of that in your life but i'm working on it i'm working on it i'm growing up man oh yeah you know i'm going to be a big boy I'm gonna be a big boy this year. I'm I'm turning I'm turning the big one. Uh, oh my god, September. you are! Is that now? Does that tie into why this stretch of tour is called the Virgo It Alone? Yeah. Well, you know, I partially. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I've been through a lot in my life. I, I mean, I can't say you know everybody's been through a lot of stuff, but I've been through. I've been through a lot of stuff recently. The where whatever you know it's just like 
I've had a pretty good life. I, I'm very happy with where I am. I, I'm very thankful and everything. But it's been a rough year, you know. All these plants been in retrograde and stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, my father died in April. Uh, my girl and I have been kind of on the rocks, and and then on top of all that, I'm turning forty years old. Forty. Yeah. Forty years old in uh, September, and so yeah, that was that was kind of the. Uh, it's a big moment. So I decided to, you know, it's a good time to 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 go out there and set it adrift and see what's happening out here, shake it up a little bit, and, and kind see of see what happens. And as you are wont to do, put all of that sort of emotional life static on stage because <laughs> you do whether you not whether or not uh, you like discuss these things explicitly. Maybe it's just because I know you and because I know what your year has been like. Mm-hmm. But it reads like there's oh. there is a certain energy that isn't always there that it was like special to the show and i'm just talking about the show that i saw last night huh but it's it's clear that you are in a transitional period in your life as a just as a man and as a performer and dealing with all of these things that there there's there's something that reads there that's <clears throat> that's, that's different is cool. Well, no, it's and it's positive. I'm not okay. Cool. I'm not saying like you used to be good, but then you got sad. Like you, <laughs> you lost a parent everybody and a girlfriend, and now night, you suck. Man. What? You bummed everybody out last night. Did I? <laughs> no, no. You're trying. You're, oh, oh, like that's what I'm saying to you. Like, <laughs> oh my god, last night you got on. Are stage you trying to tell me that you put all that emotional shit out there? And I was like, Jesus, get a therapist, <laughs> you punk. <laughs> no, it's it's excellent, and you know, it's there's there's. The, in my in my experience, turning forty was a was much more was much much different than turning thirty. Thirty was nothing. I didn't even give a shit about thirty. I was like, cool, it's a different number. Mm-hmm. But forty, it, it, there's a lot of like perhaps societal weight that is in, that is invested in it. But I felt that one. Yeah, and. All of these. I, I can't say that I do really do yet. I kind of just taken it on as more of like a gimmick, you know. Uh-huh. It's like, hey, I'm turning forty. Let's like, it doesn't really affect me that much that I'm turning forty, you know. Right. But I you're fi- talking I about like, a thing that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm I'm thirty. <laughs> I'm still thirty nine here on this. You're podcast. in your thirties, whippersnapper. This, this podcast will come out before I I am yeah. done being thirty nine. But uh, no, in, I'm the kind of person that likes to take tragic, you know take tragedies and turn them into jokes on myself or whatever you know it's mm-hmm. just it's just funny for me it just it helps diffuse it all that good stuff but really 40 it doesn't bother me at all i'm like i'm really happy and and uh happy to be where i am right now at this age so you know i don't I, does it sound like i'm trying to convince myself i don't know no it, it, <laughs> i feel like when i say it i sound like i'm trying to convince myself but when you say it it sounds sincere and legit cool. and and makes me envious. I, I feel like the same way as when i'm you know talking to girls on tinder and i'm just like hey oh god i can't say anything that doesn't sound like i'm either a creep or a robot or something <laughs> it's like i don't know what to say <laughs> because i everything that comes out of, of a guy's mouth on tinder sounds like a creep it all sounds yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it all sounds suspicious <laughs> um well excellent uh i'm so glad you could be here one more thing i'd like to do before you go okay since we we did talk about touring and we have been um friends and uh, collaborators over the years i would like to do something uh we've never done on the podcast before uh, i thought it would be fun if maybe we could it's not really live because it's recorded, but if we could perform one of our collaborations together. Sure. Which one? 
I, I was thinking I would uh, do. I think Hmail. No, I'm not doing it <laughs> because I don't want to make a bunch of MySpace references and then hear the feedback from the emails. <laughs> I was thinking the song. Um, I think the first one that I released, which was on the 1997, 1997, <coughs> 2007 record, <laughs> Mark of the Beast, which is a song called Tour Song. That was a song about going on tour. All right. Uh, and we've never done this before. I've had you on the show before. I've had other rappers on the show before that I've collaborated with, but we've never tried to actually like rap on the show. Do you want to try and do it? Let's give it a shot, man. All right, let's see what we can do here. Here, let me just pull this up. Am I on the left or the right side? Or, or you will be on the driving? right. You'll be in the right channel. Okay, cool. All right, sweet. So that, that makes check, me. Can you turn my headphones up? Uh, uh, no, just kidding. I just wanted to say that. Oh my god, I almost turned up the headphones, and I didn't realize that was a hip hop joke. Using topographical maps to plan out the best path. No contract. I hope we don't take a bath. Do a show in a church selling merch in the apps. Living off claps, spilling beer on our laps. Put the gear in the van, put the beer in my hand. Travel across the land, putting beer in the man. Lend an ear to a fan after hours. Check fam. Looking for romance in a one night stand. Make a grand, spend a gram. My left arm gets tan. From hanging out the driver's side window of the van. Band after band after bad plan band. Coolsy is back by the devil's demand. Dance, I command you, or you could just stand too. We didn't really practice the set, we just ran. Through a couple of times, did the songs in my mind. Now the time is here and it's time, time to, to unwind. unwind. For 45 minutes, you don't even have to think. Just chill, bob your head, and hold on to your drink. Here, let me grab mine too. Cheers. Cheers. Take a sip and then wink. You could, uh, when the van starts to sink, you, you could, could be Zelda and I could be Link. Play the magic clue so that I could teleport, teleport to the heliport. SED, bring him to the brink. We gotta pack and grab a sack and get a racked on the road. We're going on tour, driving in survival mode. Every day's a hangover, every night's another show. I'm going out of my mind, but I don't wanna go home. In five hours, gotta drive 500 miles to hit our destination, not a station on the dial. Play a set and jetter, maybe stay for a while. No nine to five is my kind of lifestyle. Hey, yo, get in the van, get the fuck out of town, stick to the plan. Hope we don't break down. Rock a bunch of dates across the states and how We're going on tour, we'll be coming around We're coming for you, and you're coming along We're on a ward tour, but this isn't that song Rock, Rock a bunch of gigs for the kids we roam I'm going out of my mind, but I don't want to go home Yo, who's got the keys to the van? I gotta swap CDs with the band Cool Z, you're the man, Thanks. I'm always losing shit when I'm doing these tours Hey Z, I found my keys, ooh, ooh. oh wait, these are yours oh. What day is today, and which way are we going? I lose track of time, I'm only living, living in, in the, the moment. moment Hours in the van can get rather maddening But it's all a part of my rock and roll fantasy Pass me the Atlas and the MapQuest folder Supposed to be in Boise, but the signs say Boulder Bladder's gonna burst, please pull over to the shoulder Better bring it while we can, man, we're only getting older Rolling up to the club, afraid that we're late Collect our drink tickets and we sit and we wait And we wait and we wait, it's, it's only, only half past eight. eight How late do the bars operate in the state? Great. Meet the local acts, green rooms in the back And hopefully somebody will have a place to crash All that we ask is a four and a shower and some power for our chargers And a party after hours, our sets are the same as the last ten nights Now we're awfully polished, getting hotter, water tight some nights kids are laughing, clapping, rapping, dapping, death with us. And that's how after asking out to grab some CD packages. Last call, mill about on the street. And see if we can find a kind sweetie with Lorene's. Tomorrow morning really means tomorrow afternoon. We'll hit a greasy spoon, shoot the moon, and resume. We do it because we love it, we don't need another reason. I'd love to tour forever, any weather, any season. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road we gotta again. Pack, grab a sack and get our act on the road. We're going on tour, driving in survival mode. Every day's a hangover, every night's another show. show. Going out of my mind, but I don't want to go.
go home no. in five hours. Gotta drive, drive 500 miles to hit our destination. Not a station on the dial. dial. Play a set in jet, maybe stay for a, a while. while. No nine to five is my kind of lifestyle. Get in the van, get the fuck out of town. Stick to the plan. Hope we don't break down. Rock a bunch of dates across the states and how so we're going on tour. We'll be coming around. We're coming for you. And you're coming along. We're on a war tour. But this isn't that song. Rock a bunch of gigs for the kids we roam. Going out of my mind, but I don't wanna go home. It's, it's cool, like see y'all. It's like that, y'all. Uh, and uh, every time I go uh, on tour, I get uh, fat, y'all. Uh, it's probably because uh, I eat hot wings every uh, night, uh, but shit ain't uh, right uh, unless I uh, fight uh, with uh, myself. Uh, and I'm, I mean, I kill it on sight. I'm a, I'm a murderer. No, that's that's good. You you kill it on sight. You're a murderer. That's that's the best way to end a freestyle. I feel it. Uh, I still can't fucking freestyle, man. Uh, you you still do it better than I do. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. I thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, and I hope you enjoyed uh the the uh the the take warts and all. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you got coming up you want the people to know about? Oh, uh, you want to keep that? Yes, sh- yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to say look out for Killsy. It's coming soon. What's Killsy? Fresh Kills <gasps> from Toronto and Cool Z collaboration oh coming out within the year. Before the year's over, it'll be out. I love Fresh Kills. I love Cool Z. I can't wait to hear this. Well, thanks for having me. Cool Z, thank you so much for being our guest on the program this month. Hi, Lugo. Bye. Once again, we would like to thank Cool Z for being our guest on the program this month. He's a wackadoo. He's, my, he's one of my favorite wackadoos. He is an American treasure. <laughs> From the heartland. <laughs> like your co-host, Schaefer the Dark Lord. Correct. Um, yeah, I guess let's, let's do some plugs and let's, uh, let's, close this, uh, let's close this puppy out. Okay. What do you got going on? On Thursday, September 1st, I will be a celebrity guest panelist on Match Game. Oh. It is a live game show in New York City that is a recreation of the 70s television game show Match Game. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I will be a panelist. It is a a monthly show at the Sidewalk Cafe hosted by Miss Tiffany Lee and Chris Calogero. Oh, okay. And I will be a panelist poorly matching your answers. (laughs) Other than that, I'm just working on some records and... Spending uh, some time at home. All right. I, I still have a dream of doing a live sort of trivia, like general trivia game show on oh, stage. Oh, that'd be great. I, I, still, I still have aspirations of doing that one day. Can I be your, 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 uh, the band? Yeah, absolutely. I will be your roots. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, for me, the only thing I have is on September 15th at 930 at the Tank Theater in New York City. I am tipping my toe into the producerial pool once again, and I'm producing a brand new, hopefully monthly show called The Circus Salon. What? Uh, this is a brand new monthly show, and uh, essentially there are... Hundreds of open mics for comics, for singer-songwriters, for storytellers, for all kinds of things, right, in New York City. The one thing that New York City doesn't really have a lot of are places where people in the variety arts can bring new material. Or people in the variety arts who are new to New York who want to introduce themselves to people in the industry. Um, or people or uh, professionals who have uh, 
you know, really professionally honed uh, material, but no place to like film it in front of an audience, right? So this is a brand new show. Um, I'm co-producing it with a dear friend of mine, uh, Joel Jeske. And between the both of us, uh, we are going to provide a safe space for variety artists in New York City to bring material to very loving, very supportive um, audiences. And I am very, very excited about this new venture. Excellent. That sounds, yeah. that sounds like a lot of fun. I think so. You're I'm doing mean, it at the Tank? At the Tank Theater, yes. Huh. Um, I, as as Schaefer, you well know, I used to produce a show back in the day called Vaudeville Nouveau. Yes. Which I always imagined would be the thing that I'm talking about now, but never really caught on for whatever reason. I don't know why, but it just for, it just didn't it 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 didn't catch. Um and we tried for like 2 years to get it going and it just never really took hold. Um but I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm more experienced well. and I'm older and more experienced. One of these things is not like the other. I'm older and more experienced. There you go. Um and I'm partnering up with a with a Professional. professional clown, yeah. a professional circus performer, uh, and so between the two of us, I think I think we'll actually make a go of it. Excellent, good yeah. luck. Thank you. That sounds like fun. Thank you, thank you. So, if you want more information on that, please uh, visit me on Facebook or my website at nelsonlugo.com. If I pitch a really kind of goofy variety act, can I get booked? Absolutely. I'm not just going to show up and do rap songs. I don't need feedback. Right. <laughs> I know. Well, I know how bad I am. But <laughs> if I have an act, yeah, I'm going to pitch you an act after the show. Awesome. I can't wait. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Epic Podcast, episode 46. I have been your host, Nelson Lugo. I have been your other host, Shape of the Dark Lord. Be safe, internets. Bye. What the fuck was that? Batman. Oh, God. Just... Thank you for listening to the Epic Podcast. We'd love to listen to you, too. So send us your feedback, questions, love mail, hate mail, recipes, and fan fiction to epicpiecast at gmail.com. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network. And there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audioboom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and more, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and the Epic Podcast on all of your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered.
I want to get next to you. <laughs> I want to get close to you. This song is terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's a horrible song. When the dogs find her, <laughs> oh. got time, time to wait for tomorrow. To find, to find it, it to find it, to find it. Is that how it goes? Is Stone Temple Pilots worse, the worst band? Or maybe, to me, it's between Dave Matthews Band, Hootie and the Blowfish, Spin Doctors, and Stone Temple Pilots. Those are the worst bands. Those are the, the, That's a list of the four worst bands ever. Uh, I can't believe Red Hot Chili Peppers were not on that list. Because I, I, I liked them when they were when I was a kid. That's why I use them when people have these conversations. What's the worst band of all time? And people always, when they have these conversations, they always say, want to say like Nickelback, right? Because yeah. they're they're an internet punchline. Yeah. But I never, I've never given a shit enough about them to listen to their stuff, so I don't care. Yeah, I don't think I've ever knowingly listened to a Nickelback song. To me, Red Hot Chili Peppers is the worst band ever because I once, when I was a teenager, loved them, mm-hmm. and then when I decided that I hated them. I hated them so much. So it was a profound fall from grace that it like even ruined the old music. Though even when I go back and listen to like Mother's Milk and Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which I mm-hmm. once liked when I was a teenager, now I'm like, this shit is unlistenable garbage. That's kind of how I feel about Pearl Jam. Oh, I never liked them either. But but you know what I heard is that the new, I've heard this little tiny bit of rumbling that the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album is good. From, from from just like people online that are in like my Facebook feed and stuff like that's all that's the only place I get news from is is every <laughs> once a week I go to my Facebook feed and I look at it and I'm like I look at it just long enough to see what everybody's bitching about and somebody was saying that the new Red Hot Chili Peppers is good yeah I heard some rumblings you know you know I think we're gonna have to come back and revisit this when the interview starts I think you should really just begin the the podcast with with. Where we just started singing. Well, we're going to save the singing part for the episode Stinger. Anyway. That sounds like podcast lingo to me. It's a movie lingo, too. Something that little, Radio little, lingo. little scene that shows up after the credits. Oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 